0: adjust your monitor. Make sure your tinfoil hat is shiny. Lock your doors. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, lie down. If you're driving, please pull over. Swipe and share. Curse and comment. Open debate. Trolls welcome. Resist or mega. Left or right. Darkness or light. Flight or fight. Political Turmoil, Innuendo, Lies, Deception, Rhetoric, Fake News, AI, Extremism, Lucifer, and Laughs. Welcome to The Daily Boogie.
1: Good evening. How are you? Good to see you all. So many names. General Eaton, Desiree, The Warrior Gal, Key Wizard. Good to see you. J-Dub, Lady Fritzer, Kimmy, Kimmy Jong-un, Firebird, Tamara, Jennifer Briggs, The Cherry Popper. How is everyone? I'm feeling good. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood because I think tonight's show might be terrible. I'm not sure. (laughs) We've lost the chat box already. Let me throw that up. Uh, It just wouldn't wouldn't be appropriate if we didn't have everything not working, would it? Hope you've had a lovely week. I certainly have. It's good to see you all. I've been keeping an eye on you, America, through the prism of the mainstream media. Yep, like I like to do. And it's been pretty cray-cray over there, I must say. Pretty cray-cray. My house on the prairie. Hola from the red center. How yeah, is everyone? Yeah, my house on the prairie looking over the wildebeest. The wildebeest? Is that the right animal? I'm not sure. They used to talk about the prairie when I was a kid. My great-grandmother or something. Someone one some some guy that used to hang around the house, I don't know. And he apparently had some heritage. And and this this <laughs> This history was passed down through the generations to me. <laughs> so I can, you know, speak with some confidence, some aplomb, some authority on the topic of just what it means to my people to be watching CNN from across the ocean. Yeah, Hope you're having a lovely, lovely week. Got lots of stuff to get into. I'm a little bit pissed off already that... But- we don't have the chat showing up, but that's okay. I can I can see the chat, but I can't just I just can't put it up on the screen for some reason today. Who knows why? <laughs> Who knows why? It doesn't matter. It's all good. So, before we start anything, are you guys preparing your welcome wagons? Porn, bow, porn bot already. Ah, oh, okay, good. We've got the porn bots. That would be that would be the stormy Daniels NPC. I think you'll find. That's the porn bot that we have. Stormy Daniels, engage code. Anti-president. President President Trump hates all women. Thank you, Stormy Daniels porn bot. Do you have anything else to say for yourself, Stormy Daniels porn bot? Donald Trump is a pig. He makes crass remarks about Winham. Thank you, Stormy Daniels MPC. Anything else you'd like to say? Donald Trump can't contain himself on Twitter. Game on, pig. Very good. Very good. The Stormy Daniels NPC is very lifelike. I mean, aside from the amount of fiberglass and various other substances that have been injected into her cyborg-like skeletal structure, you know, I'm not sure how, how how realistic the skin is these days. Might have the the touch of, say, an old leather wallet, for example. Very dry. I imagine it would be very, very dry. But apart from that, I mean, it's almost a flawless deception. The Stormy Daniels NPC. Did you welcome Harry and Megan to Oz? He's uh, NetDrag is asking over on YouTube. I did, actually. I was out there. I was out there. If only they were Honduran, though. Then I, I really could have embraced them. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. Another, another white guy and, you know, his half-white girlfriend trying to be diverse, trying to be tolerant, trying to show everybody how exotic he is and how tolerant and progressive he is. It was like, no, nah. no. Nah. This is just more appropriation. This is merely appropriation of a coloured person's vagina, and I'm not a fan of it. So if Harry and Megan had been Honduran, then by all means... Would have rolled out the red carpet. But unfortunately for them, they're just another couple of privileged white and half-white folks. And we don't want them around here. Don't want them. They, they, you're not welcome here. Brett Harris is from Melbourne. He's saying, no. <laughs> so we've got a lot to get into. Uh, we will touch on Stormy's latest latest episode. <laughs> We will touch on Elizabeth Warren. We will get to the stuff that you sent through on the Twitter. But before we do that, I I did want to talk about the the whole Honduran thing, the mass migration. I'm just going to take a sip. Give me a sip.
2: Mm.
1: <sighs> yeah. So, can can anybody explain to me when we got to the stage where people of sovereign people in sovereign nations? Western liberal democracies, republics, such as America is. When did we get to the stage when these people are no longer allowed to decide who comes to their country or who becomes part of their nation? Can anybody explain that to me? Like, did I miss a memo? You know, I I always grew up and believed that part of being a person in the free world is also having the the freedom to choose who decide like the freedom to decide who becomes part of that society part of being part of a free society is being able to decide who becomes part of it if we're at the stage now where some people politicians media types people in the community want to want to tell you that you, you no longer have that sovereign right over yourself as a people You no longer get to decide who becomes part of your own society. Then are you really free at all? Because freedom to say yes is also freedom to say no, isn't it? If you don't have a choice, if you can't decide who becomes part of your nation, then you're not free. You're being dictated to. And of course, you know, you elect people like President Trump. I mean, the immigration thing. So <clears throat> how cynical do we want to get? How shiny is your tinfoil hat, you Your Honour? You no how cynical do you want to get? Now, is it possible that this latest migration moving up through Central America and South America well, cry, is, you know, a completely spontaneous, organic uprising that was not at all orchestrated, that was not a, not at all pushed. Uh, it's just a completely spontaneous thing right around the times of the midterm elections. Just just happens to be. Like, about 10,000 people all of a sudden just woke up one day and said, you know what, today's the day. Pack up your gear, Nana. Kids, grab grab your duffel bags, make sure you pack plenty of water. We're going to America. Yay! Maybe that's the way it happened, just like that. Holstrom says, the nerve of people thinking they are entitled to a citizenship because they reach a border. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it was completely organic and spontaneous. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Spontaneous Democrat voting drive, says Brett Harris. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? That's, I'm, gra- I'm glad that you mentioned that. Here's the thing that I find so interesting about it. We were only talking about this on Trust and Verify last on the last episode. James is in the house. James will tell you. We were talking about this very thing. We were going through an article from the New York Times, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, in which the article contained leaked uh, strategy papers from Democrat Party strategists. Right? And in those in those documents, within those documents, Ashley from Tennessee, thanks for joining us. Good to see you again within those documents, right, it the, the Democrat Party strategists were explaining to their politicians, like to the people that they're working for, that they are getting absolutely smashed on immigration, like slaughtered. Like the Democrats in the red states have absolutely no chance of winning a discussion on immigration. And they lamented the fact that no... Regardless of the point that they've been bashing Donald Trump for the last two years on immigration, oh, he's a racist, he's a Hitler, he's a Nazi, you're all xenophobe. you're all pigs. (laughs) Despite their best efforts, they haven't been able to push the discussion in their favour. And the GOP characterisations of the Democrat policies as being radical and extreme, and, you know, that's that's an argument I have some sympathy with, to be fair, but the characterisations of those policies of that, as that, are getting a lot of traction. It turns out that the majority of people do not want open borders. Shock horror. It turns out the majority of people do not want to disband ICE. Shock horror. And the Democrat strategists were saying to their Democratic politicians, hey, you got to get off this immigration topic because you're getting smashed. The, the more you talk about immigration, the less popular you are. Especially in these red states where they're clinging for grim death to hang on to their senators who are behind in just about every Democrat-skewed poll in the country. And so then I'm thinking, well, if we are going to take the cynical line, if we are going to take the cynical view, and if we are going to assume that this latest mass uprising of people, this, this sway, this mob of humanity marching towards the southern border of the United States was not a completely spontaneous and organic uprising of people who just all of a sudden woke up one day and decided to head for the border just a few and arrive just a few days before the midterm elections. Like I know, maybe, maybe I'm a bigot too because of this citizen. I don't know. But if we are to decide that there's a possibility, at least maybe even a probability, that this is some kind of orchestrated event, that this is some kind of politically motivated migration being spurred on by agitators in the region, then why the fuck are they doing it if it's so unpopular? Now, one might then decide at that point to just step out step out of the thought bubble and say, well, because it's the immigration policy of the Democrats is so unpopular, there's no possible way that this could be an orchestrated event. And that might be fair enough. But I'm not prepared to stop there. I tend to think that this is a, just another further illustration of just how strapped for ideas the, the Democrats have become. they've got one play all the time just one play right the exact same thing has happened before in europe in the lead up to elections the same thing happened not long ago just after donald trump was elected right just just another spontaneous marauding group of people up through you know Central America on their way to the US of a nothing to see here right and it ter- it's supposed to turn the conversation it's supposed to create a, a kind of rhetorical wall between you and the people that you're trying to reach out to or between you and your administration your government, Hey, how, do we, how are we supposed to handle this? This is going to be tough. How are we supposed to deal with this? The Republican politicians of years gone by would have been bent over a barrel by now. Well, you know, it's important that we, we need to tra- treat everybody with the, uh, respect and dignity and, uh, you know, we'll be handing out sandwiches and bottles of water and uh, these poor people, they need to come in. It's very, it's an arduous journey nobody wishes bad maybe we can have a little bit of a conversation about you know, what's going on in South America no no you racist pig you can't do that you're not allowed to have an opinion on how countries in Central America and South America run their governments how they treat their people you're supposed to just open the floodgates when people want to leave <laughs> that's your job that's all you're there to do that's your role But knowing, like we know, that the immigration policies of the Democrats are so unpopular, they are poison, that most Americans want immigration reform. Most Americans do not want ICE to be disbanded. What do they think is going to happen? It's like they've got no imagination anymore. I know, when people get to the border, we'll accuse, we'll accuse the Republicans of being racist and heartless again. That, it'll work this time. This time, it's going to work. This time, we're going to put Donald Trump under enough pressure with another migration issue. This time, all of the people will come to us and say we're right. This time. We're sure, we're confident, we're assured. This time, it's going to work, comrade. Trust me. And, of course, it didn't. Donald Trump, right on the front foot, tweeted out. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, If you don't take these people back, we're cutting off your foreign aid. Boom. (laughs) Now what? Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? And the governments then came out and scurried. Oh, oh, God, we better we better do something. Of course, that had also had the effect of redirecting the conversation in the press. It's like they still haven't figured out how Donald Trump works, how he operates, what makes him tick. She's having a blast. Colleen just popped in having a blast watching all the 2016 election coverage. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> they still haven't figured out what makes him tick. You try to manufacture a refugee crisis, you own the optics at the border, you send all the images constantly around, you know, children in cages again, that'll that'll come up again, Children children are in cages again, oh my God, it's terrible. This guy's a Nazi. You try to own the discussion and then you try to apply pressure to the White House to make them yield to your demands. So what does he do? He turns it—he turns it into a discussion about foreign aid. Next thing you know, the Democrats are going crazy. How dare you threaten to cut off foreign aid? These people need foreign aid. And then, then that opens up the opportunities for retort for you, doesn't it? Because then you can turn—you can fire right back and say, "Well, okay, if we're giving all the, these countries all of this foreign aid, millions of dollars, why are they fleeing?" Uh, 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 uh. Obviously, the foreign aid isn't doing good enough because all of these people are leaving all the countries that we give aid to. So, what's the point? Uh, 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 uh. And then you got them. Then you own them. Thank you for the super heart, Mo. You successfully hijack the conversation, you steer it in the direction you want it to have, where you can only win, where you can only own the narrative. The Democrats do not want to have a discussion about foreign aid because in the lead up to an election, the last thing you want is Americans understanding the millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars that they hand over to countries on other, in other parts of the world, which have absolutely zero effect. Pissing money away, throwing money into the river. How much money did we give Honduras? How much have we been giving these Central American countries? And what, the the people are fleeing anyway? Imagine those uh, conversations around the dinner tables in middle America. Honey, did you hear? We've, We've been spending about $4 billion a year on these people. No, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. The Democrats say that we need to give them more money and accept more of their refugees. Can you explain that? Mm, it doesn't make much sense to me. Me either, honey. Right? Ernie says, sucks for them when they realize they, we have a president that supports sovereignty. Well, <laughs> sucks, sucks for them in a lot of cases, I think. But the last, see, the, the Democrats constantly get suckered in. They get roped into discussions that they don't want to be having and they don't realize it. I mean, look at where they are. What are you, three weeks away from an important midterm where they've been chanting blue wall for the last 18 months at least, entirely confident, cocky, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And they're talking about pretend Indians. They're talking about their own incredibly unpopular policies on immigration and the disbanding of ICE. And they're talking about Hillary Clinton running for president again. Like, what the hell is going on? How bad can it get? You wouldn't even know that an election is three weeks away. You wouldn't even know. (laughs) They've been completely roped in and owned. They're having the conversations that they don't want to be having and they're being forced to by a guy who's far better at owning the narrative than they are. And it's been a long time coming, I suspect. But I mean, you know... Back, circle back around to the original point regardless of all the conversation that goes on around it if people in free societies are no longer free to decide who becomes part of their society then they're no longer free and you know be damned anybody who tries to tell you that you don't have that right be damned anybody who tries to tell you that you don't have a right to decide who becomes part of your country Because those are the people who are trying to rule over you, not rule for you. And there's a big difference in that. So yeah, interesting times ahead. Uh, the army's going to go down to the border. Again, that'll be used. Oh, Donald Trump, the fascist. But please, is anybody falling for it anymore? I- I'm not so sure. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to work. I think he's winning again. But hey, that's just one idiot's opinion. So, a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you to the guys who um, have been downloading the podcast and sharing the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you look for The Daily Boogie in iTunes or on Podbean, and if you do uh, check it out, please hit subscribe if you do like it. NPC Strong, says Scott. <laughs> Trump is absolutely in their heads, Heartburn. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that when we get to the Elizabeth Warren stuff next, but... Um, if if you ever needed more of an example about a politician being in another one's head, it's it's the Elizabeth Warren story. He now he now he he has the ability to get politicians to try and to go out and get DNA tests to try and prove him wrong. Have you ever seen that before? I've made the point before. Elizabeth Warren wants to say Donald Trump doesn't worry me. Garbage. He doesn't worry you. You raced out and got a DNA test based on his opinion, based on his words. Of course, he worries you. If he didn't worry you and he came out and said you need to get a, a DNA test, then you just tell around, you just turn around and tell him to go fuck himself. Then you, then you can prove. Then you can say it doesn't worry me. Go to hell, Donald. That's it. It's over. Then you move on. But how stupid are these people? How bad are these people at this game? They can't help themselves. They keep getting dragged in. I've got to beat him. I've got to win. You're not going to win. He's not going to change. It's not going to stop. He's not going to wake up one day and turn around and say, oh, you know what? Maybe I've been a bit mean. Maybe I should play nicer and it'll work out better for me. It's not going to happen. And then she made it public. (laughs) Like she thought everybody was going to be on her team. It was incredible, absolutely insane. This is how bad. This is how bad he makes his opponents play. Right. So we will get into that. We'll probably do that next. Uh, but first, I have a fun little story for you here. Now you
3: face
1: the shredder. okay and then post the results to prove him correct exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) not having the chat box is really pissing me off now let's just see if we can find it just give me one second guys I'll just see if I can do a little fix on the fly here so we can get that chat up and running no, no good oh well, doesn't matter what a hell Who cares? Right? (laughs) Even though it is incredibly annoying. Okay. Man whose co-worker broke wind in his face says he was bullied. (laughs) Supermarket worker Atif Masood says a colleague broke wind in his face, get this, and now he is demanding $36,000 in compensation. Not a bad day at work. Not a bad day at work. If you can put up with a little bit of smell, 36K in the back pocket. Not bad. Not bad. A single fart could cost a supermarket chain tens of thousands of dollars after a worker claimed he was the victim of bullying. Like, you know. (laughs) You know, the, the redefinition of terms that's going on in today's world never ceases to amaze me. Never ceases to amaze me. Atif Masood, who was employed as a customer assistant at a UK grocery giant called Tesco, is suing the company. So the, it's like the company farted in his face. The company farted in his face. The company dropped one. <laughs> this is imagine sitting in the lunchroom or something, and somebody walks past and does a fart in your direction, and you march into the manager's office and go, "This is your fault." <laughs> What <laughs> Johnson just farted in my face, sir? I'm suing the pants off at of you, sir. <laughs> you'd, you'd think the guy was insane. <laughs> Here we are. He's suing the company for thirty-six thousand dollars after one of his senior colleagues broke wind in his face. Well, it's a, if it's a senior colleague, maybe it was an accident. You know, maybe it was a, he had a little senior moment. Who's to say? Who knows? I mean, it might not be as it seems. Sounds like the pink ice has been. <laughs> he broke wind his face in December last year and what has been described by the victim. They're actually calling him the victim. <laughs> this victim of bullying. In what has been described by the victim as a, quote, a very serious and disturbing act. Mr. Masood claims the disgusting incident was just one of many examples of bullying he experienced at the hands of colleagues. Yes, but if this is the one that makes it to the paper, I suspect the other instances uh, that are being referred to as bullying may not qualify either. Crop dusting the break room is now an EEOC claim. Exactly, WordSpider. For those who don't know what crop dusting is, that's uh, releasing slowly but evenly as you move across a crowded area. That's crop dusting. Old people gas. Who can blame him? Exactly. The 42-year-old who works at Tesco's Thornton Heath branch in South London alleges he was uh, subjected to ongoing harassment and race discrimination. Ah, by co-workers and says initial complaints weren't taken seriously by the company. Yeah, but when when he dropped the fart bomb, look out. Then the company was like, hey, we need to nip this in the bud. We need to take care of this situation before it gets out of control. He's been subjected to racist attacks. Sure. Yep, 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 yep. He's been getting bullied for two years. Yes, of course he has. I'll type it up at my invisible typewriter. Someone farted in my face. Oh, no. (laughs) According to the Mirror, Mr. Masood said he received less favourable treatment because of his Pakistani background and Muslim faith within the workplace. Yes. Yes. Because if it had been a white guy who was getting farted in the face, the whole company would have stopped. (laughs) There would have been a royal commission. Call the detectives. Call in the police. A white guy just got farted on. We can't have this. We're not standing for this crap. But because he's Pakistani, nobody cares about the fart bullying. Nip it in the butt, you mean. Yes, give me. (laughs) While Tesco has denied the man's claims, an internal investigation... (laughs) What kind of internal investigation would it be? Okay. Did you have baked beans today, sir? Did you have beans today? Did you have a chili con carne? Sir? Sir? (laughs) Did you find that man's face? Send in the camera. We need to investigate this man's sphincter. Look for evidence. While they've denied the man's claims an internal investigation into the alleged harassment, did find there was, quote, sufficient evidence the farting incident did occur based on reviewed CCTV footage. That would have been a hell of a day in the security control room. Citing legal documents lodged at the London South Employment Tribunal, the mirror revealed Mr. Masood claimed there was too much racism within his store. Too much. (laughs) A little bit of racism is okay but there was just a little bit too much racism for me and the day I got farted on was enough for me to decide, okay, that's enough. I deserve better treatment. Ban auto fart employee, says Ducks Regionus. Please identify the smell of the light up, says General <laughs> Legal documents also claim Mr. Masood experienced, quote, Unwanted conduct which had been the purpose or effect of violating his dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating and or offensive situation due to his race. While Tesco denied the man had been discriminated against because of or for a reason related to race, religion or belief, the publication reported... It revealed the colleague accused by Mr. Masood of breaking wind has also denied all allegations. (laughs) Jesus. What a world. A Tesco spokesman told Metro everyone was welcome at the chain regardless of their gender, race, background or education and uh, their diet, apparently. We even let the farters in. Again, how much curry did you eat today? You know, curry is basically... ...are the most popular food in England, right? They all eat curry. They love it. Curry is basically like the English national dish. People think it's like, you know, fish and chips... ...or something else more more traditionally English... ...but it's actually curry. They consume more curry than anything else. There's a curry house on basically every corner... ...in every English city. It's incredible. So, ban curry. I think ban curry farting is not racist apparently it is now it is uh, mr masood who ha- has been employed by tesco since 2006 is being represented by ram and low solicitors and the matter will be dealt with during a hearing next year however it's not the first time a workplace fa- fart has made global headlines global headlines Earlier this year, Australian contract administrator David Hinkst sued his former company, Construction Engineering, after claiming his supervisor would regularly lift his bum and fart on him. (laughs) Mr Hinkst demanded, get this, $1.8 million compensation. (laughs) After allegedly suffering from psychiatric and physical injuries as a result of being bullied in the workplace. However, he ended up losing his case in March this year after Justice uh, Rita Zammett found that even if the farting occurred, it would not necessarily amount to bullying. Well, I guess we can assume that the judge is also a bully. Farting doesn't amount to bullying? What are you, some kind of fascist, your honor? Have a heart, have some empathy. I'm suffering here. I'm humiliated, I'm degraded. I want money. Have a heart. Have a heart. Where's your empathy? Okay. Uh, one more quick story here. University professor offered extra credit for students who attend Abrams event. There's Stacey Abrams. An associate professor at Clayton State University acknowledged she made a mistake. Oh by offering students extra credit if they attended a campaign event for Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, Channel 2 Action News reported. (laughs) This is almost at the level of, please clap, isn't it? This is very jebbish. Please, please attend. Please come to my rally. Please attend my rally. I'll give you an A. Give you extra credit. The rally took place at the university Tuesday morning, and it also hosted US Senator Elizabeth Warren. Ha! Lizzie! Rawhide! An email obtained by Channel 2 was sent to Andrea Allen, an associate professor of criminal justice. Quote Although I've never offered extra credit, I'm making a one-time exception. I'm sure you've heard by now that the Abrams campaign, along with Senator Warren, are visiting campus tomorrow at 10am in the UC Commons. They would really like a big turnout, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they just? (laughs) Wouldn't they love a big turnout? Of course they would. To help out, I'm offering the following opportunity. If you attend, take a selfie of you at the events and upload the pic to a folder I'm creating in D2L. I'll add two bonus points to your final grade. Wow. I know you probably suspected that the requirements, you know, let's say the intellectual rigor of university may have been somewhat diminished and diluted over the last couple of decades. Maybe some people say that. Some people say, you know, university just she ain't what she used to be. Now you're getting, now you're literally getting credit points for taking selfies at rallies. (laughs) (laughs) What 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 are you getting points for if you can take a selfie at a rally? That you're not you're not too dumb to hold a phone. Right, what what the hell are you getting credit for here? I took a selfie at a rally. Where's my extra credit? The university sent an emailed statement to the news station that uh, said it just became aware that the extra credit was being offered, and quote, university administrators have advised the professor that extra credit should be offered on an equal basis to those participating in events by all political parties. Why off- why offer any extra credit for taking a selfie at a political rally? Like, I don't care. Don't give it to the Republican kids either if they go to one. It's insane. The university system is dead, says Ernie Banks. It is very optimistic (laughs) tone. Alan could not be reached by Channel 2 for comment. Oh, she's very busy. Very busy. Very busy marking all of those selfie pics. (laughs) Going through the selfie folder. Handing out extra credit to her hard-working students. Uh, the Clayton State email also said the professor acknowledges that she made a mistake and has agreed to fix it by offering extra credit for all political events. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. Well done, professor. You made a boo-boo. You made a little boo-boo. Just giving extra credit to the Democrat kids. <laughs> but she she made a mistake. She's going to make it better. Yeah. So it's all... It's Okay. Don't get upset. Everything's fine. There isn't some kind of inherent bias here in our university with our professors only offering extra credit for people to go to Democratic events and take selfies. No, no, no. She said the Republican kids can go to their little rallies and take selfies and she'll give them extra credit too. Okay. Okay. We've fixed it. We fixed the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> The university also said it does not provide support to political candidates or parties. Well, that's a lie. Like, we've just read the fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've just said we're going to give extra credit to students who go to political rallies and take selfies of themselves there. And then the very next line, the university said it does not provide support to political candidates or parties. Yes, it does. Of course it does. That's what going to the rally is. What the, what the hell is going on here? Like, are we at a stage now where people's either, either their attention is so short? Like, you must have the attention span the size of a pea. If you can read one paragraph where it says, we're offering extra credit to students who go to a political rally and take a selfie. And then in the very next paragraph, the line says, the university says it does not provide support to political candidates or parties. Like, are we living in a world of goldfish here? and people you know what you know what it's like people will go oh no well the university said that they don't provide support so that's that's over that's not up for combat that's not up for debate full stop you know the people who always like to put full stop at the end of a really bad argument like like i win <laughs> well the university said that they don't provide any support to candidates full stop it's like well hang on they do- i said full stop guy i said full stop Okay, it's over. Right, right. The Abrams campaign sent a statement to Channel 2 that said, in part, quote, our team did not suggest this or any uh, professor that extra credit should be offered to students. Well, that's what makes her a great professor. She took it on her own. She took it up on her own. (laughs) University professor offered extra credit for students who attend Abrams event. Well done. Progress, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Fantastic progress going on here. Uh, Nancy Pelosi shouted out of a restaurant by Cuban Americans in Miami. I love the name of this website, Patriots. <laughs> Democrats, how does it feel to be attacked? Nancy Pelosi told to get out by Cuban Americans in Miami. Let's have a little look at the video here. See what we got. See what we're dealing with here.
4: You're not welcome here.
1: Excuse me, Nancy Pelosi. Why? Why? Let I me mean, through. No, not
4: brother, not have a problem. You can't let
5: anybody
3: pass it through. Excuse me, this is a public walkway. So, are you blocking us too? Excuse me, sorry, sir. I killed people before. Look at Nancy Pelosi right here. Look at this piece of shit right here. Look at this piece of shit Pelosi right
2: here.
3: Fucking communists. You don't belong. Communists,
2: get the fuck out of here! Get
5: the fuck out of here!
1: you and There's people with Trump hats and stuff now. <clears throat> What we can be sure of. Hi, Eva. Thanks for joining us. By the way, guys, if you don't follow Eva, follow Eva on Twitter. She does a great little podcast, a little self-help podcast. It's always very interesting and very personal stories that she tells. So, you know, you probably get something out of it. Even even if, you, if you're not dealing with issues or anything like that, it's a very positive thing. So, if you want to follow Eva on Twitter and check out her stuff, please do. She's a very lovely, lovely girl. Um... See, with this, okay, so the, there's two things I reckon... I know, Ernie's like, wow! <laughs>
6: <laughs> Fuck you, communist!"
1: There's two things that you can guarantee would come out of this, right? Now, one of the things is going to be the element... See, not cool. See people going, not cool, not cool. It, it is cool, trust me. Let me explain why. The, one of the things that's going to come out of this is going to be the cucky the edge of the Republican tip, Right? the cucky side of the Republican tip, who are going to say, well, we can't criticise Democrats for acting like mobs if we then go out and chase Democrat politicians out of restaurants, right? Which is fine. That makes total sense. And I understand there are going to be people who are doing that. But what's going to be interesting here is the, the, the mainstream press, right, the corporate media, have just spent the last two weeks, ladies and gentlemen saying that this is okay, this is fine. Remember? Remember Don Lemon saying, hey, you can protest wherever you want. You can protest however you want and wherever you want. It's not a mob. This is just people standing up, right? Right? They have green-lighted this. So it's going to be interesting, the Sunday shows, the Monday shows. Now what, Don? Don? It's like, it's uh, your play, Don, your move. Now what are you going to say, right? If if you're allowed to protest wherever you want, if this isn't mob behaviour and this is just, you know, this is okay, this is standard, this is fine, this is just Americans, you know, telling their politicians how they really feel and there's nothing to see here and how dare how dare the opposition run a fear campaign trying to paint us as some kind of angry mob? How dare they? Well, if that's okay, how are you going to report this? They probably won't, won't report it at all. They probably won't even bother. But at at what stage do you think Democrats are going to stop? Now, it's all well and good to be the principled one, and you've got to have principles. But there are, there are going to be people that come out after this Every Donald supporter showing this video was memo distributed to everyone. See, it's already started, right? They don't care. Because now it's going to be like, oh, Woody, you shouldn't be talking about this. Like, there's like an attempt, this, this troll is like an attempted at shaming. Like, everyone's talking about this video. Did you get the memo? <laughs> I might just run it on loop now for the rest of the show. Fuck yeah. <laughs> just run it constantly. <clears throat> But this will be the thing, right? So if it's okay, then how can you possibly argue against it? Now, one tactic might be to just minimize. Minimize. Ah, oh, you know. So what? So what? Who cares? I don't care. But what if it happens again? And then again? And then again? And then again? Then what? What? Do you have to then reassess what's okay?
5: You're not welcome here.
1: You confront them. You push back on them. In the restaurants, in the gas stations, you tell them they're not welcome here. And that's okay. That's fine. So what's going to happen after the third time and the fourth time? Can I replay it? Sure. I'll replay it. No worries.
2: Why? 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 Let me through. Oh, no, no
3: problem. No problem. No problem. To I can't let anybody pass through. Excuse me. This is a public walkway. Sure. So, are you blocking us in too?
5: Excuse me. Sorry, sir. Oh, I can't watch, watch you.
3: Watch. Look at Nancy Pelosi right here. Look at this piece of shit right here. Look at this piece of shit Pelosi right here. Fucking
2: communist.
3: <laughs> you don't belong here fucking communist. get
5: the fuck out of here. Get the
1: fuck out of here. Ernie Banks, save Democrats, vote Republicans. Yes. If you want to be civil again, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to be civil again. But, you know, I wouldn't do this to a politician. I would, I would rather just pretend like I don't know who they are. Because politicians, like, they have a bit of arrogance about themselves See, look, you're playing the victim well, right? <laughs>
6: <laughs> Chris, Chris, thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah,
1: playing the victim. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for joining us, Chris. What an absolute pleasure. Stick around. We're going to have some fun. So, yeah, Cuban-Americans uh, being racist, obviously. If not racist, definitely being sexist. Chasing out a Native American. I assume Nancy Pelosi is more Native American than Elizabeth Warren. I mean, who isn't? (laughs) I'm more Native American. Everybody is. So they're obviously the Cuban Americans being racist and sexist and what have you. So chasing out Nancy Pelosi out of a restaurant. But that's not mob behavior. That's just protesting and that's fine. That's cool. We don't have a problem with that. We don't have a problem, no, platforming people. That's fine. That's A-OK in today's world. So no point complaining about it. I guess I guess she's just going to have to hit the drive-through, like Chelsea Handler said through the week. Oh well, if you get chased out of restaurants, go to the drive-through. What's the problem? Great idea, great idea. Give <laughs> drive-throughs. Let's move on to this article. This is an absolute classic. Historian Christopher Browning on the Trump regime: We're close to the point of no return. This is from the known right-wing conspiracy website known as Salon. Scholar of the Nazi period, here we go, explains why fake news may be a more powerful authoritarian tool than the secret police. <laughs> by the way, it was I don't know, was this fake news or not? Maybe, maybe this was all just a, a scheme. Maybe this, I think this was all set up by Nancy. This was all set up by Nancy to say, see, the MAGA people, they're just as rude. They're a mob. I, I, I so hope so. I, I so hope that CNN, like on Sunday or Monday, comes out and says, MAGA mob chases out Nancy Pelosi. Like I want him to bring the mob word back. Bring it back in, baby. Now it's a mob again. Come on. You can do it. I reckon it's a 50-50 chance. Two to one. History can teach us many lessons about Donald Trump and his rise to power. As shown by his deeds, words, and policies, Trump is an authoritarian and a demagogue who has so far been restrained by America's weakened democratic institutions and norms. (laughs) I wonder why he was elected if the democratic institution and norms uh, have been weakened over the past little bit. Trump has repeatedly shown contempt for America's cosmopolitan, pluralistic, and multiracial democracy. Contempt. He hates it. He hates everyone. He hates everything. He and his supporters would smash that order and create a new one based on white racial authoritarianism. (laughs) Yep. I mean, just like the Cuban-Americans chasing out Nancy Pelosi because she's a communist, this is white racial authoritarianism if and when they have the opportunity to do so. Learning lessons from history about the present requires a keen appreciation of context. The model of authoritarianism that Donald Trump, the Republican Party, their allies and voters represent will fit the cultural and political norms and institutions of the United States. This usurpation of American democracy will be both similar to and different from what took place in other countries and at other times. Oh, Okay. Same, same, but different. I think that's what they mean there. Yeah, it's going to be the same as it was, but different to that. Right. <laughs> hey, keeping up. This is why I love Salon. The argument we're about to put forward may not make any sense, but trust me, it does. It's going to be different and the same at the same time at different times. You'll be right. You'll be right. Just try and Just try and keep up. Just try and follow along. All you need to know is Donald Trump is Hitler. From there, we can move on. In all history's lessons must be learned carefully and applied even more, with even more care if we are to make better sense of the present and the rise of Donald Trump in the United States, as well as a resurgent reactionary right-wing movement around the world. <laughs> the reactionary right-wing movement. So they're admitting that the right-wing is rising around the world as a reaction a reaction to what? Oh, I wouldn't it wouldn't be progressive policies. No 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 no. No no no. The right wing isn't move the right wing isn't rising around the world as a reaction to our rule over the last forty or fifty years. No. The right wing around the world is rising in a reaction to Hitler or something. I think I think I think they just really, really, really like Hitler and that's it. It's all you have to analysis done. Send it in. Put that to print. What lessons do the fall of German democracy after World War I and the rise of the Nazis Nazis, and Adolf Hitler hold for the United States in the age of Trump? What role does an assault on democratic norms and traditions play in the rise of fascist and authoritarian movements? In what ways are traditional Republican elites like Mitch McConnell responsible for an outsider such as Donald Trump taking power? It's all all their fault. It's Mitch McConnell's fault that Donald Trump took power. (laughs) (laughs) again there is absolutely no mea culpa whatsoever there is never a moment there's never a time where it says hey maybe we push things too far and this is how guys like donald trump get elected like maybe we just took things a little bit too far with the globalism and mass immigration and saying everything's a race everyone's racist and everything that goes along with it pc pc culture in universities socialization of aspects of the you know western economies maybe we just went a little bit too far and then that made it easier for someone like donald trump to collect up all of the people we've been insulting over the last few decades and win an election nope 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 it's just because of hitler and that's it stop being a victim you are playing blame game i'm loving chris in the chat guys give chris a round of applause uh in the week where the npc has become <laughs> has become basically internet vernacular i i want everybody to welcome chris thanks for joining us chris you have mastered the blame game why aren't you talking about hillary laugh out loud <laughs> you are good at playing the victim it's the Dems, it's Hillary, it's Soros, it's immigrants, lol, victimisation. <laughs> Absolutely fucking amazing. Is dissent being criminalized in the United States by Trump and his followers? What is a liberal democracy and how will it do the work of authoritarianism in the US and elsewhere? Is Trump a fascist? Is he better describing is that better describing him than using another label? Is Julian Castro see what Julian's got to say. I didn't
6: see the point of it because my mom and her colleagues were coming kind of from an outsider's perspective uh-huh. and
1: I didn't see that. My mom and my colleagues were coming from an outsider's perspective. They must be Hitler too. In an effort to answer these questions, I recently spoke with Christopher R. Browning. He is the Frank Porter Graham Professor of History Emeritus at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and an expert on Holocaust and Nazi Germany. Another one. He is the author of several books, including the most recent Remembering Survival Inside a Nazi Slave Labor Camp. Browning is also the author of the recent and widely read essay The Suffocation of Democracy, which appeared both online and in the October 25 edition of the New York Review of Books. And there's they're asking a couple of questions. Authoritarian leaders like Donald Trump can cause widespread pain and confusion to the public. See, I love lines like this when they say, Donald Trump is causing widespread pain and confusion. And then they will put the camera out there and show people trying to claw their way in to the Supreme Court, for example, screaming, crying, wailing, gnashing of teeth.
6: Ah, my God. Ah!"
1: It's like, Donald Trump caused this. But, like, is this some kind of sympathy play? We're all victims. Hashtag, we're all victims of Donald Trump. The sad reality is now that it's got so absurd and, you know, people on the other side fail to recognise that nobody nobody cares anymore. Nobody cares. Because everybody else knows that they don't care how you feel, so why should you care how they feel? So all of the crying, all of the tears, I'm a victim, I'm oppressed, this isn't fair, people now just roll their eyes and go, okay, whatevs. And then, of course, it's like, oh, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're this, you're that. It's like, I don't care. I don't care what you think. Because there's, we've spoken about it before, there's been this shedding of moral vanity. The shedding of the moral vanity on the right. And that's that's what's unlocked the gate. That's what's opened the door. Because you're no longer playing defense anymore and they they've gotten accustomed to this is this is why i say they have only one play and it's just all attack all the time so once you realize that playing defense is not going to change anything it's not going to stop anything it's not going to make them change their strategy then you have only one option left and you know don't don't try and fight the uh, idiotic comments like don't try and fight the stupidity don't try and fight the the screaming and the crying and the Extreme behavior, accelerate it, exacerbate it, bring it with you, celebrate it, celebrate it as evidence of a collective mass of people losing their minds. You know, when you put your kids to bed at night, just say, See, this is why you don't want to be one of them because they're nuts. NPC comment NPC comment of the day. How many people are American citizens and how many are Russian bots in here? You're all Russian bots. <laughs> Don't you just love it? The first re- reaction was frustration. We are caught in a situation where none of our previous political experiences as a country, when democracy was functioning well, albeit far from perfectly, equipped us to deal with this situation. I sense that it would be a tyranny of the majority which would create this type of crisis. This is why, of course, we have the Bill of Rights and other checks on power. But what we really have now with Donald Trump and the Republican Party is the tyranny of the minority. Those minorities, they're at it again. The minorities are taking over. It's Hitler 2.0 where gerrymandering, voter repression and the Electoral College give a minority of the population vote even when they don't have control of the presidency or the House or the Senate. Yes. Now we hate the minorities on the left. (laughs) Don't you love it? Don't you love it? America is going to fall into a fascist dictatorship with Hitler 2.0, Donald Trump and it's all the minorities' fault. Bravo, Salon. It's not fair that the minority is installing this Hitlerian dictator scumbag. Demographic shifts, geography and cultural divides are the perfect storm for minority rule by the Republicans in the United States. I thought we loved minorities. The second feeling is bewilderment. As a rational thinker, someone who believes in the Enlightenment project and liberal democratic norms, I assume that the truth and basic facts were a type of sunshine. If you put enough of this light out there for the public, they would make good decisions. But now, with Trump and his enablers, systemic serial lying is rewarded. (laughs) Now it is. Now truth matters. The very notion that there are facts and discernible truths are being rejected by a good percentage of the American people. What, like genders? Genders? That's, that's not a fact. That's, all truth is subjective. For the last 30 years, you've been taught through, you know, the axis of postmodernism in education and, you know, as a function of the culture itself, that all truth is subjective. All truth is fluid. Like if you, if you try to point to objective facts, you're, you're, you know, you're ignoring somebody else's cultural pr- perspective or something like that. So now that the other side is like, okay, we understand, and then they become their own salesman, and then they sell a different message and they get someone like Donald Trump elected, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this truth is subjective stuff all of a sudden? Where did that come from? <laughs> you, know, you know, Hitler thought truth was subjective too. You know that, right? Now we're all about objectivity again. Sorry, it's too late. Too late for that. It's over. People figured out that bringing rational arguments and facts and evidence to debates wasn't getting them anywhere. So now they just meme. Now they're just memeing you out of existence. That's not fair. They're playing the victim. Russian bots everywhere. The very notion that there are facts and discernible truths are being rejected by a good percentage of the American people. We are stuck in a situation where President Trump's spokespeople say things like, well, we have alternate facts, or the truth evolves, or the truth is not true. Basically, the truth has become utterly instrumental to close to half of the population. Yep. Or a minority. Moreover, they delight in the capacity of the president to openly lie. Everyone knows he's lying. (laughs) Everyone knows it. Everyone knows you're lying, Clarine. Okay. Okay. Everyone knows you're lying, Sharon. Sometimes it's totally gratuitous. It doesn't even serve any purpose. But the very act he lies with a swagger and so boldly makes Trump attractive to them. (laughs) That's called the con job. We've seen politicians lie our whole lives. Now you want people to get upset. Sorry, don't care. Don't care. Your opinion is irrelevant. Nobody cares what you think. That breaks all the rules about how democracies are supposed to function. Now now we care about the rules, right? Sorry, don't care what you think. Ultimately, the fact that intentional obvious lying has a political reward has just stunned me. I'm flawed, I had no idea. I mean, you could bring, how many do you want to go back to? Like, if you like your doctor, you could keep your doctor. Let's just pick that one. That's the most famous one. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Listen to this guy quote, ultimately, the fact that intentional, obvious lying has a political reward just stunned me. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) I am beside myself. It's like a fainting woman. Oh, my God. The obvious lies are just terrible, sir. Sir, how could you lie? How could you lie to our faces like that, sir? This has never happened before. Nobody's ever lied in this fashion before. This is very Hitlerian, if you ask me. (sighs) Ah, Yep. Hitler used to do the exact same thing. You know that, don't you? Hitler was a big fan of lying and fake news. He thought all truth was subjective. So did we until about two years ago. Now we decide what the truth is. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm a Native American. <laughs> I think objective truth is important. I am a na- a Native American. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. <sighs> Donald Trump lies about everything. I'm a Native American. Whoops. Whoops. How do we dig ourselves out of the hole? The next two elections are absolutely crucial. 2020 is critical. I don't think we are past the point of return for trying to correct things and fix America's democracy, but we are certainly getting perilously close to the point of no return. The point of no return. Donald Trump, dictator forever. Woo! (laughs) Sounds like fun. Twitter will certainly enjoy that. They can make a lot of investments now knowing that the uh, biggest draw card on their platform is going to be in power for life. Fantastic news for Twitter and Jack Dorsey. They're very happy about that. There you have it. Christopher Browning on the Trump regime. We're close to the point of no return. Uh, Just let's do a quick little video here and then we'll get into some Lizzie Warren. Let me move this for y'all. There we go. Brooke Baldwin, one of my favorites.
7: Poking fun at Senator Elizabeth Warren's DNA test is getting a lot of mileage. Even Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is joking about it. Uh On Fox & Friends this week, Graham announced he is getting a test of his own DNA, and he joked it might determine if he is Iranian, (laughs) and then he laughed and said something (laughs) that is angering a lot of Iranian Americans. So Uh if you missed it, you well.
5: (laughs) Come back in a couple of weeks yeah. and we'll take and a look. We'll find we'll out who that. you really are. I'll probably be Iranian. That'd be, like, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. They're great people, just bad leaders. Yeah, bad leaders. All right.
7: Not everyone was laughing. Uh, Social media lit up.
1: Oh, uh, like no. this tweet,
7: both of my parents migrated to the U.S. from Iran along with...
1: See, the outrage. The outrage. This is, um, what is it, a week after it was um, all the stuff about Kanye on CNN and the laughing and the carrying on. That never got addressed, by the way. That never got addressed. That was just allowed to float out there. Lindsey Graham comes out and says, well, you know, I might. it might show that I'm Iranian and that wouldn't be good. <laughs> oh, social media was in meltdown. How could you? Oh. <laughs> but again, it's like, who cares? Who cares? Nobody gives a fuck. Oh, the outrage on social media. Yeah, what, what doesn't social media get outraged about? Honestly. Graham is becoming Sergeant Troll, says Ocean Nathan. Well, I mean, like, we know the playbook. So, a little comment like that, you throw out a little comment like that, you watch the outrage. And again, it's like, you know, it, all it does is create more fodder, it creates more uh, material. This guy, this guy has been mentioning uh, our NPC friend has mentioned Hillary. I think like two dozen times, but he's just. He... <laughs> Do you see what I'm talking about here? Like it's like it's like walking around with a mirror uh, strapped to your face, right? You can't stop talking about Hillary. Everyone's talking about Hillary. Hillary's living in your heads. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for this guy, <laughs> Hillary would not get mentioned in the chat. <laughs> See, the fact that I bring up Hillary two dozen times is proof that everybody wants to talk about Hillary. The almost is two years ago. The, the election... I, I was saying this last week. The election was almost two years ago and they're still whining about Hillary. That's crazy. See, remember, I was on uh, Chris Mack's show last week and I said, this is one of the most common lines that uh, liberal trolls like to throw at you. Why are you still talking about Hillary Clinton? The election was two years ago. Why don't you leave Hillary alone? Nobody cares. To that I say, okay, why is Hillary still in the news? Why is she still getting in the news then? Hillary's No one's forcing Hillary to go on stage. No one's forcing Hillary to go on a speaking tour and get in newspapers and get quoted and have a microphone shoved in front of her face. No one's asking her to do that. She's doing it all on her own. So if Hillary doesn't want to be spoken about, then she shouldn't get out there and make comments and be in the news. Like, So <laughs> this is how dumb they are. Hillary Clinton goes on a speaking tour, goes on a PR blitz, it's quoted in the newspaper every second day. She says this, she thinks that, she thinks Donald Trump should do this, she thinks Donald Trump should do that. And then all of the democrats come out and say, "Why are you still talking about Hillary?" Like you're supposed to you're supposed to just have her there and never address her. See, because this is the thing. Whatever is um, damaging for the democratic brand, they try to tell you that you're not allowed to talk about it. Like they try to shame you into not mentioning it, right? Exactly. WordSpider gets it. It's damage control. Hillary is arguably the most unpopular Democratic candidate for president of all time. And the Democrats know it. Most Democrats hate her and can't stand her. They want her to shut up. But she doesn't. And because you never punch left, when she comes out and makes comments and Republicans start talking about it, you blame the Republicans. How come you're still talking about Hillary? Why don't you leave it alone? Nobody cares about her anymore. The election was two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's that's the only thing you can do is blame the opposition. Blame the opposition for your terrible candidate who in a two-horse race managed to get beaten by the guy that they say is the worst of all time. Funny, right? Same with the Elizabeth Warren thing. Now all the Liberal publications, I've got them all lined up here ready to go. We'll get to it after this. Now they're all like, oh, you know what DNA tests—they don't matter anymore. Don't worry about it. Ah, uh, this is an embarrassment. We need to move on. But you—you—if you mention the uh, Elizabeth Warren case, well, you're just engaging in a racist attack. So they need to like—they sp- need to smother it, smother the story. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. It's embarrassing. Damn right, it's embarrassing. Like, look at the Pelosi clip we just watched earlier, and the guy was like. Oh, everybody's showing this. What, did you all get the memo? Like thinking that that's going to make me go, oh, okay, sorry. I guess I won't show it then, you know? No, mate. No. (laughs) That's not going to (laughs) happen. I know what's embarrassing for Democrats and I know what's embarrassing for their supporters and that's the kind of stuff that I like to show because it's funny. It's fun for me. I enjoy it incredibly, immensely. But, you know, I've got to be fair. We've got to show the things that are embarrassing for Republicans too, like Lindsey Graham making this awful joke, which has set the Twitter world on fire, which is why I use CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, Salon and Slate as my sources, because I'm fair. I'm a fair guy like that. I don't even watch Fox News. Let's rock and roll on CNN, my favourite real news broadcaster.
7: Much of my family, what's wrong with having a Persian ancestry? This comment from Graham and the casual way in which he delivers it and then laughs is really (laughs) off-putting. That is from Oliver Darcy here at CNN, our senior media writer. And uh, that was retweeted like 7,000 plus times. And this is personal for you. Yeah,
8: I I just thought the comment was extremely distasteful. Uh, Both my parents, like I said, migrated from Iran to the United States. Much of my family... Migrated from Iran to the United States. I know a lot of Persians. I'm I'm part of the Persian
1: You should want to be Iranian. Everyone should want to be Iranian. If you don't want to be an Iranian, you're a racist. What? Yes, it was very off-putting for me. It was very upsetting that Lindsey Graham said it would be bad if he had Iranian DNA. I'm Iranian. My parents are Iranian. Why don't you want to be an Iranian too? (laughs) Don't you want to be part of the club? See, again, like if you're secure in yourself, you would say, who cares what Lindsey Graham thinks? Who cares what Lindsey Graham thinks? It's so distasteful, right? But they just, they just fundamentally don't understand that the game has changed and just, they just keep trying to use the exact same method over and over and over again. And it's not going to work. It's not going to change anything. I'll give you a free tip here. The absolute best way that um, Darcy could have dealt with this Lindsey Graham comment, instead of coming out and doing the exact same thing that they always do over and over and over again, because remember, we've now established the new norm that nobody cares. Nobody cares how you feel anymore. And you can blame this or you can blame that and you can blame, you can blame whatever you want, but it doesn't change the reality of the situation. And if you don't believe me that the reality is different now that nobody cares, I mean, look at the video we just watched of Nancy Pelosi getting chased out of a restaurant. Nobody cares anymore. So here's a free tip for Oliver Darcy: rather than come out and do the the very cliched tweet, you know, I found this off-putting, this was offensive, I have Persian ancestry. Blah, 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 which, you know, that's fine. You can have that opinion. The absolute best way to deal with it would have been to come out on CNN on a show like this when they're trying to get you to express how wrong this is, how racist this is, and trying to curry sympathy for what was said, not about you. It was actually just a general comment, but, you know, you personalise it. Like, your parents have nothing to do with what Lindsey Graham said. But the best way for Oliver Darcy to deal with this would be to come out and say, I don't care what Lindsey Graham says. Done. Done. That's it. And then, then he's just out there with his comments. There's no need to confect outrage. There's no need to try and drive ire in his direction. Then you win. Then you take the high ground. You win. Oliver, what do you think of Lindsey Graham's comments? Pfft, I don't care. Lindsay's going to say some crap, but you know what? That's he, he, can, he doesn't have to be Iranian. He doesn't have to be Persian. I know who I am and I know my ancestry and that's all that matters to me. Done. Done. Signed off. Sign, sealed and delivered. But what do you do? Instead, you create another outrage cycle, which then just creates more material for your opponents. And it gives more people to come out and, and, and you know, do this, watch clips like this and say how terrible it is they fundamentally don't understand the the game that they're playing and they don't they can't get they can't get to grips with the fact that they're not going to win like you can't win by doing the same outrage game that you've been playing for the last 30 or 40 years it's not going to work carry on
8: community and i know a lot of persians uh, particularly back home in california and when i saw this I thought it was just extremely off-putting from, from Senator Graham, uh, just distasteful. And I, I understand uh. that it might have meant, made, meant as a joke. I think that's what uh, his office is saying. It was it was m- mostly a joke, but mostly. it came across uh, it, it, as something. You weren't laughing. No, I, I, you wasn't, weren't laughing. I wasn't laughing, and I don't think it was really funny. And
7: when the oh. Senator Graham's office did directly right. get back to you.
1: Break, breaking. CNN reporter doesn't find joke funny. Who would have thunk it? B from the UK, thanks for joining us. Asking me if I'm one one thousand and twenty fourth Eskimo, I am actually. I live in an igloo. This is an igloo kitted out as a studio. Very exciting stuff. All right. Oh, I've got another clip here. We did need to get into the Lizzie Warren stuff. All right, let's go here. It's just way too much Lizzie Warren. Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll take a quick we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll do Elizabeth Warren pejoratively, of course. (laughs) We'll take a quick break. We'll be very soon. See you in a few minutes. And then we'll do Elizabeth Warren. Aloha,
4: James R here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges.
2: Alleged.
4: Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TAVshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TAVshow.com
1: friend and foe alike. Join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD, tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, stream me, iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought and analysis for the people by the people. I awake at night pondering life's big questions. Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour long sports show
4: without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope,
1: Stream Me or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at
4: thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting
1: Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. Now that is a freaking awesome the thing I think a lot of it is he's free where they're not if you are on the side of the politically correct then you are it's like you're constrained by the weapon that you're trying to hit somebody else with does that make sense like you can't you can't profess the virtues of political correctness and overt sensitivity and not offending people and then come out and do it because you'll be a traitor to your own cause so if you don't sign up to that politically correct mindset, if you don't fall into the "I must not offend" crowd, then you're really free, and they're not because they can't attack. They can only attack you by saying how offensive you are. And if it's particularly unpopular at the time to be, you know, uh, politically correct, then guess what? Every single time that you use the only weapon that you can, which is political correctness, you get less popular. And the person that you're attacking gets more popular just by the fact that you're attacking them because if you're saying that these people are so politically correct like they, they can't say whatever they want every time you try to attack the guy you prove his point you, you make him stronger it's like trying to fire nukes into the sun and think you're going to blow it up it doesn't work that way you're just adding to the combustion it's not going to stop. It's not it's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. The way these people approach it, they, they just don't get it. He he's not going to just suddenly snap out of it. He's not going to start being what you want him to be. It's only going to get faster and harder. But they they don't see that. They don't understand. So, that I mean, cuz that's the bubble that's the privileged bubble of going straight from college into a you know into the media and living in that environment and all of your colleagues agree with you
0: Welcome to the Daily Boogie.
1: We're back. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around if you did. If you didn't, so long. Soccer. We haven't found nonetheless. I wanted to get into Lizzie Warren. Let's get stuck into Liz. And here's an example. Now, believe it or not, there were people actually telling me last week that this was a win for Elizabeth Warren. And I made the point in the podcast, by the way, if you do want to get the podcast, iTunes and Periscope, Periscope, iTunes and Podbean, If you are, remember, Elizabeth Warren is on the hard left, okay? She's not a moderate Democrat. She's from the hard left. Now, what is, when we think about the hard left loosely defined and characterized, what do we think of? One of the things we think of is the adherence to what? Identity politics. The doctrines of, an you know, identitarians. And what is identity politics? Again, loosely defined, it's, it's putting your particular cultural, ethnic, religious, sexuality, gender markers ahead of any individual opinion or thought as predeterminates for the rest of your life. Right? So if you're black, you can only be here. If you're white, then you can be here. Privilege. If you're male, you can be here. And any opinion that comes after that is merely a, you know, an audible representation of the identity that we have pres- prescribed you. Right. So, of course, you know, how many times have we heard stuff like this? Of course, you would say that you're a white male. Yeah, of course, you would say this. You're an African American woman, right? Christy Christie, thanks for joining us. So identity politics is fundamentally the act of placing the, the identity marker, whichever one or however many it is, ahead of any individual thought you may have or any individuality of thought and using it as a predetermination for you know w- w- whether your thought is valid or invalid. Your political opinion is valid or invalid based on your identity. So being of the hard left... Elizabeth Warren, how dumb was it to try and claim ownership of a particular class, a particular identity group, one that falls into the victim category on the hard left, and then release documentation thinking that you're going to get some kind of win to only to be proven how wrong you are? How dumb was it for Elizabeth Warren who, again, on the hard left... in a a last-ditch, pathetic effort to try and score points on the identity politics checklist to release the evidence that she is indeed one of the whitest women in America. And how do you think the comrades are going to take it? How do you think the comrades will take it? Of course, there will be some people, probably less comrade and more moderate, who are just going to pretend like it never happened. Like, no, 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 just roll on. Because one one of the tactics on the left is you never acknowledge a victory on the other side. Never, ever, ever acknowledge when the opponent does something right. And never acknowledge when you do something wrong. Right? The only thing you point out in your opponents is what they do wrong. The only thing you highlight in your own behavior is what you do right. Now, of course, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're on the side of individual liberty and it's not even a left-right thing, I, I, I'm loath to use the left-right, you know, um, dichotomy here. But I think if you're on the side of individual liberty and free thought, then you don't behave that way. You don't do it. And, you know, whether you like it or not now, if you're a classical liberal, you're probably more, you've got more in common with the people on the right than you do the people on the left even though there's a bit of spread there. So classical liberals, libertarians, constitutionalists, conservatives, Republicans, whatever, are constantly self-analyzing, self-reflecting. I mean, why do you think the Never Trump movement exists? When we played that clip earlier of Nancy Pelosi getting chased out, five will get you ten. You can bet your bottom dollar that there's going to be a lot of Republicans tomorrow and on Sunday, on the Sunday morning breakfast shows going around saying we can't act like the Democrats, we can't do what they do, we can't play the same game, we've got to be above this, we've got to use principles, we've got to have morals, I don't like seeing Republicans behave this way, and so on and so forth, which is fine. But when you're on the left, and specifically the hard left, you never do that. Never do that. You never come out and say we need to be better at what we're doing. You only come out and say how bad the opposition is. You never come out and say, you know, we shouldn't behave like Republicans. You only come out and say Republicans shouldn't behave like Republicans. If the Republicans do something that's overwhelmingly popular and positive, you never acknowledge it. You only point out all of the things that they didn't do. And you just keep rolling on the battlefield. It's like if each achievement of your opponent is a monument on the battlefield, you run your tanks right over it and pretend like they aren't there. A kind of intellectual and political blitzkrieg. You move so fast in the argument that you don't give your opponent a chance to, you know, point to the victories that they've had. You just just keep heading for Stalingrad. Right? And that's the tactic. So... In the aftermath of the Elizabeth Warren complete own goal, complete faux pas, I bring you this, dear listener. When I'm
4: not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Break.
1: Let me get rid of the YouTube. Let's run through them. USA Today. Elizabeth Warren's part Cherokee claim is a joke and a racist insult to natives like me. The day after a CNN opinion poll ranked Elizabeth Warren fourth amongst possible Democratic 2020 hopefuls, the Massachusetts senator released the results of a DNA test along with a campaign-style ad defending her family story of Cherokee heritage. This is USA Today, mind you. Warren's decision to cave to President Donald Trump's demands was an affront to many Native Americans, who have long stated that DNA tests cannot be used to claim Native heritage or relationship to a tribe. Cherokee Nation, the largest tribe in the United States, agrees. In a public statement, the tribe called Warren's use of DNA tests, quote, inappropriate and wrong, and said the senator is undermining tribal interests with her continued claims of tribal heritage. For what? Ask yourself, for what? To to try and to try and score some really low, shallow point against Donald Trump badly and not do it? Like if if you are going if you're on the hard left and you rely on identity politics and part of identity you know, part of the identity politics schema is the Native American and you rely on these people supporting you as a movement for your long term political survival, what you don't do is risk that support for one chance to put out one tweet and say, Ha ha, screw you, Donald Trump, I win. And then and then not win. And then don't win. That's, that's shooting yourself in the foot. Like, what, what did you think Native Americans – how did you think Native Americans would react? I put out the tweet the day that this all came out and I said, there you go, Native Americans. The Democrats, now cons- the, the Democrats have now reduced your ancestry to one one thousandth and twenty-fourth of a person. That's it. That's what they think of you and your history. They are happy to now, you know, determine that Native American status is merely one part of 1,000 of a human being and that's it. That's all it takes. As long as we're hitting Donald Trump, that's it. We win. No, you don't win. You lose. You lost big time. You pissed off the comrades, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. For the average American, the barrier is a lack of exposure to real information about native identity, Cherokee history and tribal sovereignty. Rather than providing much-needed public education, the news coverage over the Warren debate perpetuates harmful myths about native identity, such as blood quantum, DNA tests and family law, while real information about one of the most invisible and underrepresented groups in America is rarely published. She's making it worse, Elizabeth Warren. Politico. Elizabeth Warren's DNA disaster. By testing her genes to score points against Trump, she hurt the cause of the Native Americans she claims to respect. This is Politico. This is not, this is not some far right uh, fringe conspiracy website. This is Politico. Elizabeth Warren has been roundly mocked by the right, often with rude racial cliches like Tucker Carlson's distasteful quip on Monday night the Focahontas is on the warpath. I thought that was fantastic. For releasing a DNA test that shows she has a Native American ancestor. One. Well done, brother. Maybe this is what she wanted, to demonstrate that her critics are racially insensitive boars. No, it doesn't represent that her critics are racially insensitive bores because she's not Native American. She's, she doesn't qualify as Native American with one, one, one part of 1024th. She, she's not Native American. So calling her Pocahontas is not a racist attack. Why? Because she's not Native American. Like, even even in a Mia Culpa article, Politico puts out, they still try to double down on the oh, should, everyone's being racist. But we've already established that kind of attack is not going to work anymore. But they have only one play the PC playbook. The politically correct playbook. When in doubt, accuse people of racism. And coming up with new ways to accuse people of racism isn't going to change the tactic. And you know, let them keep going. Keep going. She wrote on Twitter that she released the test results to demonstrate that she won't sit quietly for real Donald Trump's racism. Oh, yes, she's very brave. But if that was her aim, the DNA test was a mistake. Warren's public declaration of her Native American ancestor is insensitive, too. It does more to muddy popular understandings of Native American identity than it does to clarify it. It perpetuates the United States' dark history of racism and assaults on Native American sovereignty. Now now Elizabeth Warren, according to Politico, is perpetuating racism. Right? Do you see how the worm turns? This is why I was. This is why I was taken aback when uh, people on Twitter were saying, you know, she's going to win this, and I'm like, really? Give it 24 hours. Give it 24 hours. You'll see. She's going to get absolutely hammered. Now, Lizzie Warren is perpetuating racism on the left. On the left and the right, both hate her now. Washington Post. Elizabeth Warren's DNA test is more uh, is more is about more than politics. Pardon me. My grandfather Norman came from Tildress, Texas. My grandmother Shirley came from Alexandria, LA. Norman always speculated that his family descended from German-speaking Czechs, which would stand to reason, as Texas is home to a lively Czech population. Shirley was certainly a mother. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm just amazed that this story more than anything else leads, uh, you know, poli- uh, politicians, leads journalists and media pundits in the position where they feel like they have to explain their family history for some reason. Say, like, I don't care what, who your grandmother is. Get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Which would stand a reason as Texas is home to a lively Czech population. Shirley was certainly her mother and had been at least partially Native American. Neither story was outlandish enough to be dismissed upon first hearing. These were the stories I heard growing up, threads in tapestry all the same. None of it was true. The era of Ancestry.com and 23andMe has brought about a new kind of self-discovery and has supplied unprecedented ease in researching family legends. This week, Warren released a video and DNA report elaborating on her Native American heritage. There is no Native American heritage, I'm sorry. One one one-thousandth is not... Native American heritage it's, it, it's a Native American in your heritage somewhere it's not Native American heritage Warren's DNA results suggested according to one Stanford professor that she probably had a Native American ancestor between 6 and 10 generations ago, a small amount in other words but throughout the 1990s and as late as 2004 Warren was listed in various publications as a Native American minority and woman of colour woman of color again how do you think this plays on the hard left rich flad thanks for joining us how do you think that this plays on the hard left <laughs> Stefan Stefan wants me to play the pussy melter video which is a guitar pedal please try and keep things in context steph <laughs> please try and stick with the flow of the show <laughs> how, how does this play on the hard left for the comrades isn't this the most flagrant usurpation of identity that we've ever seen? Isn't this cultural appropriation to the max? For someone who identifies on the hard left as well as, as a Native American, this is not going to work out well for Elizabeth Warren. Warren consistently identified herself as white on personnel forms early in her career, but two years into her teaching post at the University of Pennsylvania, she authorised administrators to switch her ethnic designation from white to Native American. Just like that. I'm just deciding now. I'm just, just, like, just going to change it now. It's fine. Similarly, Warren only listed her ethnicity as Native American nearly five months after she began her tenured position at Harvard Law School.
5: Take the test and it shows you're
1: an Indian. Trust the Huffington Post, though. So while the Washington Post, uh, Politico, USA Today, other publications like Salon are trying to back away from this story at a 1,000 miles an hour because they realise, because they're they're playing the tactic that you never uh, give your opponent a win, but... Uh, they, they've realised that this one is far too toxic and they have to back away from it like they have to have like a Mia culpa here she did the wrong thing so let's move on now right, they're, they're hoping to nip it in the bud okay everybody put out put out the story that it was stupid by Elizabeth Warren it doesn't prove anything put out that uh, DNA tests don't really prove anything anyway and muddy the waters a bit and then we can move on and pretend like it never happened but the Huffington Post they double down Donald Trump renews his racist prop Pocahontas attack on Elizabeth Warren. It's not racist. She's not Native American. <laughs> Good old HuffPo. The president fired off tweets referring to Native Americans as being of Indian heritage, a term often considered pejorative. Ah, okay. So now saying that in, now saying the words Indian heritage, that's now racist. <laughs> So if you come out and say Elizabeth Warren is not of Indian heritage, you're being racist. Not because Elizabeth Warren isn't of native heritage, but because the term itself, native heritage, has now been deemed as racist. (laughs) Let's just ban all the words. I think we just ban all the words and be done with it. President Donald Trump on Tuesday unleashed a torrent of tweets redoubling his racist attacks on Senate... (laughs) (laughs) on Senator Elizabeth Warren after Warren's DNA test results were questioned by the Cherokee Nation. See, just this one paragraph, this is why I love Huffington Post, unleashed a torrent of tweets redoubling... What? Redoubling? His racist attacks on Elizabeth Warren. So we know it's not racist because she's not Native American. But then... They say after Warren's DNA results were questioned by the Cherokee Nation. No, they weren't questioned by the Cherokee Nation. They were flat out rejected and were referred to as insulting and offensive. Right? So, But the Huffington Post says, oh, her results were questioned by Cherokee Nation. No, they weren't. They were dismissed by Cherokee Nation. There's a difference. Cherokee Nation weren't sitting there going, hmm yeah, you know what, I have some questions about this. Um, I'm not so sure, Elizabeth Warren, like, do we know? Is it, you know, I've, I've got some, you know, hesitation about this. They weren't doing that. They came straight out hours later and said, this is a disgrace. This is an utter disgrace. And this is not part of it. <laughs> they weren't questioning. They, they put the blowtorch under the belly of Elizabeth Warren and set it to extra hot. They didn't want any part of it. Thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you to the Cherokee Nation for revealing that Elizabeth Warren sometimes referred to as Pocahontas. That's very clever. Like sometimes referred to as Pocahontas. Like it's not him. See, he he plays the game too, but he's just better at it. So he puts himself at arm's length from the comment. Like, And that's a troll. He's trolling them. Elizabeth Warren, sometimes referred to as Pocahontas, he refers to her as Pocahontas. <laughs> is a complete and total fraud. Warren's claimed heritage has stirred controversy throughout her political career, dating to when she was a professor at Harvard. Trump, at Harvard, Trump, however, has used racist insults as a way of challenging her contention. Nope. Nope, they're not racist because she's not Indian. To show you how deep this rot has gone, look who's scoring. Look who's back. Look who's back. We haven't checked on uh, Megan... We haven't checked on Megan since she destroyed her career. Even Megan, even Megan Kelly's now scoring points off Elizabeth Warren. Check this out.
9: Oh, do we have a good one to discuss this morning? <laughs> I love this morning's topic. Uh, and so joining me to break down what's making the rounds is NBC Zone Jacob Soboroff and Morgan Radford in her inaugural appearance on the panel. Great to have you, Morgan. And let's not forget Matt Eisman, the co host of American <laughs> With the big reveal of Senator Elizabeth Warren. She can't contain herself. Have her. you been following this
1: at all? Okay. So she's been a pop. Now, Megan Kelly today's crowd is usually like, you know, middle aged women. It's very lefty. Megan Kelly knows that and she plays that game very well. And, you know, she, I mean, she hasn't had this much fun since the Donald Trump days, right? Like, she's in her element here
9: the target for President Trump, as you know, he's mocked her for her claims that she is Native American, which she has represented professionally in the past. She tried to face the criticism head on this week. She took a DNA test of sorts and then released a slick video outlining her family history. It is safe to say it did not go well. We're going to discuss what happened. But first, NBC's own Peter Alexander gets us caught up. Watch. And, and respect
4: that. Elizabeth Warren reinserting herself into the national conversation after releasing a DNA test that provides strong evidence. The Massachusetts senator had a native American... <laughs> <laughs> strong evidence.
1: See, the guy nails it there in the reporting. She reinserted herself back into the conversation. Why? Why? Now, the the projection and the presumption and the inference and the implications that are created by various tex- techniques in cable news and mainstream corporate media, Washington Post, New York Times, etc. et al. is that this has all been as a result of Donald Trump's attacks. Right? This is all Donald Trump's fault. This is why Elizabeth Warren is in the news. But that's that's honestly that's clearly not the case if you look at it objectively. She's long used this Native American thing as a means to, uh, you know, classify herself as a particular ethnicity and which gives her comments in the hard left. Remember, the hard left are identitarians. It gives her comments more gravitas. It It gives her more play because she claims to be of this particular identity group. And now she's proven that she hasn't. But it's like, oh, she injected herself back into the news cycle. And that's my point. Exactly. Why would you do that? Why? To try and beat Donald Trump somehow. Like, to try and get a win over Trump. But then all you're doing is playing his game. You are getting roped into a discussion that you cannot win. One, one part and 1,000, and you think you're going to win with that? Like, these people just, they are fundamentally, um, they're just fundamentally wrong in the way they try to approach this president. Like, they have no conceivable idea. They don't think about their actions like three, four, five moves ahead in that game, in that space. And he knows he's not going to lose the slanging match on Twitter. It's only going to end badly for Elizabeth Warren, but she does it anyway. He's living in their heads, and there's nothing they can do about it. Now even the left is her. Offer. family tree,
4: dating back six to ten generations. After referencing her Native American roots during the 2012 Senate campaign, 2012. Warren's repeatedly faced criticism over her claims. Now the likely 2020 contender is looking to preemptively defuse the issue that President Trump's tried to turn into a political liability, See,
1: he... taunting her. <laughs> Donald Trump has tried to turn it into a political liability. no, 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 no. Elizabeth Warren has tried to turn it into a political asset and it's a lie. It's false. Donald Trump hasn't tried to turn it into a political liability. It is a political liability. He's using that liability. He's leveraging that liability, but he didn't invent it. He didn't create it. He's not trying to use it as a liability. It already is a liability. See, the, the manipulation is so subtle in these kinds of reports. Let's carry on. For years...
4: Pocahontas, Pocahontas. The president <laughs> brushing off suggestions he owes Warren an apology for using language widely viewed as racially insensitive.
5: <laughs> a country, an apology. Uh, what's, what? what's the percentage? One, one thousand?
4: President Trump first said he'd dare Warren to prove her Native American ancestry last summer while envisioning a hypothetical 2020 debate say, with Warren.
5: I will give you a million dollars. To your favourite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but on Monday, denied owing any donation. Of
1: course, he doesn't have to pay. She's, she's one of the whitest women in America, statistically. <laughs> Scientific, we have evidence that there is few, there are few women whiter than Elizabeth Warren. Shit, man. <laughs> we could we could go to Sweden and not find women who are whiter than Elizabeth Warren. At the height of the height of the Nazi regime, we could have got the most pure blood Aryan women into a room, and Elizabeth Warren walks in, and they would melt. They would go, "Oh my god, I can't compete with this." Ninety nine point nine 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 eight percent. Holy cow, Adolf. This woman should be your wife. She is the whitest of the white. (laughs) It's viewed by many his racist attacks. What? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, okay, fair enough. Maybe he should start coming out and calling her a cracker. If we call her a cracker, is that a racist attack? I don't know. (laughs) She's pretty darn white. 99.9998% white is pretty darn white. So maybe you should call her Cracker Warren now. Cracker Jack, Cracker Liz, why not? Then now you can say it's a racist attack. <laughs>
4: Who cares? dollars. I didn't say that, no, I didn't. you better read it again. Later clarifying his conditions.
5: You mean if she gets the nomination in a debate where I was gonna have her tested? I'll only do it if I can test her personally. Okay. Okay, that will not be something I enjoy doing either.
4: Warren unveiling the DNA test results as part of a campaign-style rollout, relying on
6: one of the world's premier (laughs) DNA experts. The
8: president likes to call my mom a liar. What are the facts? What?
3: (laughs) The facts suggest that you absolutely have a Native American
1: ancestor in your pedigree.
4: The genetic analysis setting her American Indian ancestry at a small fraction, perhaps as little as one in one thousand twenty-four,
3: <laughs> more partisan criticism. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is whiter than your average white person. There you go. Including the drug. <laughs> uh,
1: see? Even the reporters get it. The reporter's like this 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 evidence merely welcomed more partisan opposition more partisan attacks what did you think was going to happen <laughs> it, it, it's actually to be fair he got it wrong that's a mis- that's a manipulation it's it didn't just welcome more partisan attacks it more it welcomed more bipartisan attacks because we just went through politico salon usa today the hard left now hates a guts as well they hate it too she tried to hijack an identity culture when she's one of the oppressors. She's one of the oppressive privileged white people. The communistas and the comrades, they're not impressed. Like, you, you, don't, you, don't, you can't come out and defend one of your own when you have built your entire ideology on the basis of identitarian political movements and identity politics. If you put the identity of the person ahead of their individual thought as a predeterminate for the rest of their life and one of your champions on the hard left now comes out and proves without doubt on a, of her own free will that she has hijacked one of these identity groups for her own political gain, then you become one of the oppressive, privileged white people guilty of cultural appropriation. I'm not surprised that the hard left is angry at her too now. She's out of there. She's done.
4: ...report putting Warren in a headdress. A Cherokee Nation leader accusing Warren of undermining tribal interests. But in the video, Warren says she respects the difference between family history and tribal affiliation. I'm
0: not enrolled in a tribe, and only tribes determine tribal citizenship. Ah, yeah. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Even even Megan Kelly now. Even Megan is scoring points off this character. It's got to be one of the dumbest political moves of all time, without fail. Like, Megan, Megan must have been licking her lips and said, you know what, I've been in the doldrums for a long time since I came up against Donald... She knows what it's like to come up against Donald Trump. She, she understands he ruined her career. <laughs> She's now hosting Breakfast. Breakfast on NBC. Like, probably the worst job in television. now Megan Kelly's like oh Liz that was terrible (laughs) Liz you sure fucked up there (laughs) carry on Oh boy.
9: All right, so it turns out the best case scenario for her is that she's got a great, 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 great grandparent who might be Native American. Great to the fourth. Great, 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 great. great great. great But she might just be one out of 1,024th part Native American, which would mean her (laughs) ancestor could predate the formation of the country. Um, This is the reason it's controversial. When she was at Harvard Law School and when she was at the University of Pennsylvania, she represented herself as Native American. She... Never left
1: the oppression bails, says Ben a Native Native Very cook good point. ...called
9: Pow Wow Chow, <laughs> calling herself Cherokee. Now... Uh,
1: and now here you are. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right? A few months ago, Elizabeth Warren was a champion of the hard left. She was planning her 2020 presidential run. Now... In a misguided, terrible PR backfire, in a terrible stunt, on a pathetic chance to try and score some kind of political point against Donald Trump when she could have just left it alone. She has gone from champion of the hard left and presidential hopeful to cheap gag on Megan Kelly's show being laughed at by little old ladies in the audience who would normally support her. Well done. Well done, Liz. (laughs) Well done. Have fun in your future career, whatever it is. It's not going to be in the White House. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the sex spot. Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels, uh, this video came out the other day. Poor Stormy. Poor Stormy. Things aren't going well. Things aren't going well for the women who hate Donald Trump and says that he hates all women. Isn't that funny how things work out? Further evidence that I still haven't figured out what a meme is yet, ladies and gentlemen. Let's carry on. From one, I think it was Scott Adams who put out the tweet, uh, science quiz, who's had more Native American DNA in them, Elizabeth Warren or Stormy Daniels? And I thought, that's a really good question.
8: <laughs> to be remembered for making some great movies, and being great a good movies. writer. A good writer. Um, being a good boss. But let's face it, I'm going to be known as you know, the porn star who slept with Donald Trump. There'll they'll never be any escaping that.
4: Stormy Daniels says that she was physically threatened. Stormy Daniels is now
8: suing President Trump. Stormy Daniels arrested. Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels. I noticed a big shift in the people who are coming to meet me. My demographic for years was middle aged, white guy. Those guys have completely stopped coming. And my audience has switched to at least 50% women. They are.
5: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. All of these women, all of these women have now started watching Stormy Daniels movies because they're feminists. (laughs) My audience is 50% women now because they hate Donald Trump. Now now everyone's sitting around watching porn going god bless that girl. Got to hate got to hate Donald Trump so much. <laughs> Do you believe it? <laughs> once upon a once upon a time it was only the you know it was only the unattractive white men who would be interested in my movies. Now women love me too. <laughs> Please. <laughs> look at the More little old
8: lady getting the signature <laughs> feelings, whether it's to thank me for um inspiring them or for being brave
1: inspiring
8: because they want to come and share their own stories i think women don't report because they don't want to embarrass
1: <laughs> she's like the women want to thank me for inspiring them and now they're sharing their own stories what would those stories be like one day, my husband left for work early and the pool boy was coming over to clean out the filters. <laughs> I don't think we need any more of those stories. The pizza boy First their families,
8: early. Or lose their job or be judged or called liars or think that they um, won't ever have somebody want to be with them. I mean that's a big thing for me right now as I go through yeah. you know my life or whatever and I try to date someone or have a relationship like it's never going to work out. <laughs> yeah,
1: <because laughs> Donald Trump Donald Trump makes it hard for me to date people. You, oh yes, yes. Yeah. You know if I meet somebody in a bar and I like them, I mean it's going to be really hard for me to find a date now because of what Donald Trump did. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got nothing it's got nothing to do with my career (laughs) it's all donald trump's fault he hates all women
8: (laughs) like it's either they're i mean they're just going to be teased and tortured relentlessly Uh. my attorney and i are committed to making sure that everyone finds out the truth. If I could do it over, I would have tried harder to find an appropriate time to tell my husband. Uh, he found it on TV when I was away. But he didn't deserve to find out the way that he did, even though I did the wrong thing for the right reasons. Right. There's nothing worse than knowing you're right and no one believes you. Yep. So that was my initial, you know, first reaction. Um, After that, it was because it was just the right things to do. Mm. I'm not a patriot, and I'm definitely not a hero.
1: I'm not a patriot. (laughs) I'm not a patriot. Whoops. So, of course, after, after the judge threw out the defamation suit, Donald Trump straight on the front foot, as he does, Again, roping these people into fights that they have no chance of winning whatsoever, and they fundamentally misunderstand the, the paradigm that they're operating in and that how much he controls it. I, I, you know I just see a lot of people who think that they can they're doing the exact same thing that all of the previous people who have tried to take this guy down over the last three years are doing. They don't understand memes, that's for sure. Look at this. Michael Avenatti put this little video out uh, in the aftermath. Look at this. This, this shows you how, much, how fundamentally wrong these people are when they're assessing You know, the best way to come at Donald Trump and they just clearly don't get it. Look.
6: It's a sad day in America <laughs> when the President of the United States calls a woman a horse face. <laughs> Donald Trump should be ashamed of himself. I don't care if you're on the right the left or the center. No man should call a woman a horse face, especially the president of the United States. I have two daughters. I, two daughters. I think it's a disgrace. I don't care what your political persuasion is. You should condemn it as well.
1: No, nah, not going to do that. So it's wrong to call uh, a woman a horse face, apparently. So what do we do? We go out, we make a 30 second video and repeat the term. Horse face, horse face. Michael Avenatti is so thick and so dense that he doesn't realise that he is literally accelerating the association. He's, he's accelerating the, the, cog, the cognitive effect of name, nickname and association to person, which Donald Trump is an absolute superstar at. So not only have Donald Trump supporters now picked up the horse face thing... Michael Avenatti himself, to his own supporters, is repeating it. You should never call somebody a horse face. It's disgraceful to call somebody a horse face. He's memeing it into existence and he doesn't even know it. That's called an association meme. Because now whenever people see Michael Avenatti, whenever he talks about it, he's going to mention horse face. The, The audience automatically puts horse face to Stormy Daniels. He doesn't even know that he's doing it. <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks he's taking some kind of moral high ground here. But as we already established, those days are gone. Those days are finished. Nobody cares anymore. The insult game does not work. And when you play the insult game against Donald Trump, you can only lose. He's never going to apologize. He's never going to take a back step. See, the insult game is basically like a game of chicken. Right? One car and another car, and it's about who gives up first. Donald Trump is putting foot to the floor and going straight towards you at 100 miles an hour. Exactly. Word smiter gets it. Avenatti is unknowingly piling on. Let's go to this one. Situation room. Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Do you remember when Wolf Blitzer used to talk about war and weapons of mass destruction and, you know, serious political topics? Now he's here interviewing two-bit lawyers about why it's wrong to call somebody a horse face. Look, just sometimes you have to take a moment to step back and look how, look how deep, uh, you know, news media has descended into the absurd and they can't see it because they're on the inside looking out but we're on the outside looking in. Wolf Blitzer, once, once you know, once this great respected voice in the news, in the, in the uh, media world, now literally wants to talk about whether it's right or wrong for somebody to call a porn star a horse face. It's, it's completely insane. These people are insane.
3: President Trump is crowing over a judge's dismissal of a defamation lawsuit <laughs> by Stormy Daniels. On Twitter, the president suggests he'll take legal action against the adult film star calling her, quote, horse face and calling her lawyer <laughs> third rate. They're both punching back hard. Uh, joining us now, Michael Avenatti, he's the attorney.
1: Calling her, quote, horse Banks face.
3: <laughs> Hi, Wolf. All right, so you hit back very quickly against the president today, calling him, and I'm quoting you now, a disgusting misogynist and an embarrassment to the United States.
1: He's a disgusting misogynist. Yeah, that line will work the five millionth time. Bravo, bravo Michael. Bravo. Texas Blue asks, why is Trump sleeping with a horse face? Good question, comrade. I would ask, why is a woman who says that Donald Trump hates all women sleeping with Donald Trump? Unless you're trying to tell me that she, you know, had no say in the matter, that she was merely a victim. Like, was she there? Oh, It's, it's wrong. It's wrong, to, uh, for, it's wrong to expect women to take responsibility for the people that they sleep with, whether it be one or two and a half thousand. Wait, isn't that a little bit sexist? So that's why it's all BS. You see, my friend, Texas Blue. Why did Donald Trump sleep, sleep with a horse face? Why did she sleep with Donald Trump if he was so disgusting? So that that line, doesn't make, that line doesn't mean anything to me. People sleep with people for a lot of reasons. And I don't particularly care. I don't care what those reasons are.
3: Is this just about helping he your client stuff. or is this beginning to get personal for you?
6: Well, Wolf, I think it's been personal for a while for both my client and myself. But more importantly... For myself. I mean,
1: this is... Now he's injected himself into it as well. I'm a victim too, Wolf. (laughs) I thought it was bad. uh, I thought it was bad legal ethics to uh, get personally involved in a case, isn't it? I know we have some people with some legal training in the house... Trump fucking horses like Catherine the Great, Texas flu. That was good. That's a good one. Yes, word might. A horse face is another way of calling someone a whore face. Very good. Very good. But I thought it was – aren't lawyers supposed to avoid getting personally involved with their clients? Isn't that like – isn't that law ethics 101, legal ethics 101, don't get personally involved? Because how can you do your job effectively if you are tainted by, um, you know, emotion and personal relationships, right? Like, like this is why uh, police don't uh, investigate someone that was killed in their own family. Like, some other copper has to do that. Like, if I'm a policeman and someone sh- shoots one of my family members, I'm not allowed to investigate that. Because I'm going to go around pretty hardcore and probably shoot a lot of people along the way, <laughs> Right? Same thing applies to lawyers. If they're personally involved with the person, then they shouldn't be there. They should recuse themselves, and another lawyer in the practice should take up the role. But here, Michael Avenatti is saying, Oh, this is very personal for me. So he's admitting that he's doing a terrible job. He's admitting that ethically he's, you know, his standing is through the floor. It's very personal for me. Well, it shouldn't be. You're a lawyer, you're not the defendant, you're not the quote unquote victim and you've got to perform to the best of your ability if your lawyer is if your you know client is going to get value for money which apparently they don't get because now she has to pay for your shitty job this remember remember 6 months ago this was an open and shut case this was an open and shut case we have absolutely got concrete proof there is absolutely no way that stormy daniels is going to lose this my client has all the evidence that she needs I mean, he hasn't left CNN offices in six months. He's got a room there. They gave him a bed. It was all proven. And yet here we are. The defamation case gets thrown out. Stormy Daniels has got to cough up some some stripper dollars. She's got to go through her old G-strings and look for 50s to pay the lawyers. Michael Avenatti says he's got a personal involvement with Stormy, you know, he's personally involved, he's emotionally involved when he shouldn't be, which proves he's doing a terrible job and he lost the case. Like, where, where is the surprise here? Is this a child-friendly show? No, I hate children. <laughs> Carry
6: on. The disgrace. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Never in my lifetime did I think that I would witness behavior like this from the president of the United States. I'm a father to two daughters, and I know many of your.
1: See, why is he bringing his daughters into it? What What do his daughters have to do with it? Honestly, honestly, what's this guy's problem? Is he mad? He keeps bringing up his daughters. What, are they also porn stars? Do they also have horse faces? What's the issue here? Like, are you stupid or what? <laughs> Ocean Nathan asks, I wonder how personally involved he is. Well, wow, very good question. Very good question. You know, someone once told me a long time ago <clears throat> that whenever the opposition tries to bring in your family, you know you're on you're you know you're on the right track. Because by bringing up um, family members or daughters or trying to invoke, um, you know, emotion, that kind of emotional attachment to children, they're trying to get you off your guard. They're trying to throw you off your stride. And then if you say, if you make one rhetorical misstep, you'll be attacking their children, right? They're trying to set you up for that attack. So you just plow right through that one. You just ignore that. Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump would come out and say, well, if you're worried about your daughters, you should probably be a better father or something like that. (laughs) And then it would, oh, my God. ah!" And off they go again. If I was Donald Trump, that's what I'd do. Don't worry about your daughters. Just be a better dad and they'll be fine.
2: Oh, my God, he's attacking me. ah!"
1: The outrage cycle starts once again. He starts repeating the insults once again. Horse face, horse face, horse face.
6: Viewers are also fathers and mothers. How do you tell your kids to look up to the president of the United States when he behaves in this manner? It's an absolute joke and it's a disgrace. And it's about time that we stop shaking our head and we
1: see Kimmy in the chat saying someone offered uh, she was having an argument. Someone offered to have Piper raped by the president. I knew I had won at that moment. Exactly. Exactly. It's game over at that point. And this is the thing, if you're on the side of the PC, like, the PC people like to pretend that it's wrong to offend. They love offending people. They love it. They don't mind offending people. The, the politically correct culture exists to protect them from insults. It's not to end insults. It's to protect them from insults so they can insult without repercussions. So what happens when that mythical, mystical, non you know, that invisible wall of protection is shattered and it's now gone thanks to Donald Trump? It's it's finished. There is no protection for people who insult others. So if you get out there and you want to insult this guy and call this guy a pig and say this guy this this guy's a Nazi, a racist, a fascist, meh 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 meh. And then he, you get you get called a name in response. You're going to have to wear it because nobody's going to listen to you when you say how it's wrong and in offensive. And I have two daughters, and it's not fair. Millie, thanks for joining us. Those days are done, but they don't. They're still playing by the old rules. I get to insult whoever I want as bad as I want, and no one gets to insult me because as soon as they do, I win. I'm a victim. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. You lose. You lose, sucker. Carry on, Mike. Michael. Stop
6: or start punching back. I mean, this guy can no longer be permitted to get away with
1: this.
3: What does Serena Daniels <laughs> tell you after she saw the...
1: Yes. This guy can no longer be permitted to get away with this. Who's going to stop him, Mike? You and the porn star? <laughs> you and horse face, mate? Huh? <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. Giddy up. Wallback. Giddy up. Mount your your trusty steed and ride off into the sunset. (laughs) Cowboy Aminati. This guy can no longer be permitted to get away with it. Yeah, well, who's going to fucking stop him, champ? You? You? (laughs) You and Sprinkles? Please. (laughs) the tough guy act right the tough guy routine he can't get away with this well he is he's going to get away with it again fundamentally misunderstanding the, the dynamic that they're operating in your outrage is not going to stop anything in fact your outrage is only going to fuel more the more you claim to be a victim the more attacks you're going to get the more outrage you try to farm, the more attacks you're going to get. The only way it stops is if you walk away. Sorry. And you might not think it's fair, but this is this is the rules now. This is the way, this is the space we are operating in now. Like it's a little bit old school. It's a little bit traditional. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? If you can't take it, don't dish it out. That's that's the way we're playing now. And it might not be fair. It not might be right. It might not be right. It might be really painful. It might be hurtful. It might be all of those things. But it is what it is. And it's also too fucking bad. People like Stormy's new nickname, Sprinkles. Whoa, Sprinkles!
3: <laughs> the president's tweet.
1: She was. A- I'm looking forward to Stormy Daniels' next movie, The Black Stallions.
6: Incredulous. She couldn't believe it. She she thought she that his account had been hacked or that it was some joke, as I did initially when I saw it. I mean, for the President of the United States to engage in this behavior, it's an absolute disgrace. The rest of the...
4: <laughs>
1: she was incredulous. She was outraged. For the President of the United States to engage in this kind of behavior? Oh my god, it's horrible! <laughs>
4: She was upset. She
1: was offended. She thought the president's account had been hacked. She was outraged. I was outraged. In all of my life, I have never been as outraged as I am right now, Wolf. I never thought that I would live to see the day where the president of the United States would call a woman a horse face. But yet here we are. Here we are. And the democratic norms and the insulting pathological psych chaotic behavior of this orange man in chief it cannot be stood for. It must be stood against. We must do everything we can to take this guy down because I have two daughters, Wolf. Think of my daughters. This is very offensive to me. I am personally involved and horseface, let me tell you. She couldn't eat hay for a week, Wolf, because this guy is a pig of pigs. The dick my dick my tater in chief. We gotta take him down. <whistles> Honey, yeah, yeah. What's up, babe? You know that Avanati guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still angry. Oh, really? Stiff shit, huh? Yeah. Good night, baby. Good night, sweetie. Game over.
6: World looks at us, they laugh at us, and many of us within the United States are disgusted. I don't care what your politics are. This has no place. It's a complete disrespect to the office.
1: It's so disgusting. Like, remember that, that little short two-minute um, video that I made about political correctness, right? If you are on the side of political correctness, the only weapon that you have is by saying how offensive the other person is. That's, that's all you've got. And when that doesn't work, you look really, really sad and pathetic. You look really bad. That's all you have. And that's all he has. It was offensive. It was terrible. I thought it was a joke. It was horrible. So what? So fucking what? Michael, nobody cares. <laughs> You're not going to get sympathy here. Because the times they are changing. (laughs) General Eaton with the comment of the day. Isn't it kind of a compliment compared to what she gets called during her job? Very good point, mate. (laughs) That's a very good point. I mean, if she was on the set of one of her quote-unquote blockbusters and somebody called her a horse face... She'd be like, oh, can you stop talking nice? This is supposed to be a dirty talking film. All right, you dirty slut. That's better. Thank you. (laughs) Don't call me a dirty... Don't call me a horse face. I prefer cheap whore, bitch. Oh, thank you. Okay. Now now we know your preferred pronoun.
6: (laughs) Office of the presidency.
3: So you frequently tweet about uh, partisan attacks... I'm the president. And as you know, Donald Trump, he says when he's attacked, he's going to attack harder. He's going to counter attack. Uh, is that what you see what's going on here?
6: No, Wolf, well, I don't. I, I think that we're giving him exactly what he gives. And I think that's exactly what you have to do. That-
1: I think that's exactly what you have to do. See, for a second there, I thought he was going to say we're giving him exactly what he wants. That's what you're doing, Michael, by engaging in this ridiculousness you're giving donald trump exactly what he wants but he's like no we give him exactly what he gives and i think that's what we have to do oh okay is that why you're so effing popular is that is that why you're killing him now like you you would somebody has to get in michael lavenardi's ear and say michael this strategy it's just not working mate it's not working pal you're losing big time you've become a you've become a clown you've become a joke you're on TV every single day accusing people of gang, being gang rapists and you can't take the moral high ground here. You have no chance of winning. But no, never interrupt your opponent when they're making mistakes. Yeah, no, pal, it's the other way around. Exactly, Billy. Someone was asking if the horse sound effect was um, a sound effect or... No, that was, that was vocal instrumentation. Do you want it again? <laughs> There you go. (laughs) That sprinkles the horse.
6: (laughs) That's how you treat bullies. You know, these wishy-washy approaches of the past that some Democrats have used, that has gotten the party nowhere. Uh, It's gotten the country nowhere. There's only one way to deal with a...
1: Did, Did everybody pick up on that? Literally two sentences ago, he said, I don't care what party you're in, you need to oppose this. And now he's saying... You know, that wishy-washy way that they deal with bullies, The Demo- that's got the Democratic Party nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what party you're in as long as it's the Democrats.
2: Woo! Woo!
1: <laughs> Hi-ho, <hold> Silver! Away! <laughs> you know, Wolf, I don't care what party you're in. You need to oppose this. This behavior from the president must not stand. And I think I'm doing the right thing. And because the Democrats haven't done it for so long, Uh, what, 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 what? Mick, Mickey,
6: bully, and that is when they punch you, you hit them back twice as hard. And that's exactly what my client and I are going to continue to do if he continues to uh, attempt to engage in personal attacks and the like. So he better pack a lunch.
3: So what?
1: And that's what we're going to do. If he continues to engage in personal attacks, it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care. He loves it. He loves it. You're not, you're not scoring any points here. There was actually Democrats coming out a couple of weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saying Michael Avenatti is actually hurting our cause, not helping it. And I was like, you don't say. You don't say. Because <laughs> he's, he's turned it into a joke. All he can do is get out there and make accusations, none of which have been proven true at any single level, and claim to be a victim at the same time. So what? He's, he's, he's been memed into eternity now.
3: He attacks you and your client. Uh, you're going to attack him even harder. But how does that help your client? Good question. Well, because I think uh,
6: uh, it helps uh, the client by uh, advancing uh, our cause relating to the facts and uh, hopefully what? dissuading him from engaging...
1: It, it helps my client because of engaging in the cause relating to the facts. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Getting into slanging. What, what lawyer advise, advises their client that it's a good idea to get involved in personal attacks on Twitter with their with the person they're trying to take to court? What lawyer on earth would ever advise that? That's how you know that this is not about law. This is about PR. This is entirely about PR. If your lawyer says, okay, you have a claim, you have a case against a high-profile client, and it doesn't get much more high-profile than the fucking president, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't get much more high-profile than the White House, right? That's that's about as high-profile as it gets. So if your lawyer suggests to you that it's a good idea for you to engage in insults on Twitter of the person you're trying to take to court during a court case and that person is, has a high profile, you need to fire that lawyer immediately. You need to get that lawyer out of there because he is not representing you and he doesn't have your best interests at heart. He is running a PR campaign at that point. No lawyer worth their salt on the face of the earth would advise their client to publicly attack the person that they're trying to take to court on a platform like Twitter. Not one. Not one single lawyer. You know why? Because all of that shit that you're doing can be used against you. Yep. It makes you look desperate. You don't want that. You don't want to be putting more information out there than you have to. That's what a good lawyer will tell you. A good lawyer will tell you, do not go on Twitter. Do not engage in interaction with the person at all. You need to sit back. You need to bite your tongue. You need to not say anything. And wait until the time is right and we get the guy in court. That's when we'll go especially if as as Avenardi is suggesting that apparently Trump can't stop insulting his client. Oh, he's always insulting his client. No, 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 no. So you just let them you let the person be out there and insult your client and you just never respond and then you take it to court. But if you're advising your client, no, it's a good idea to butt to to punch bullies back on Twitter and insult him on Twitter. That's great. Good stuff, Stormy. You're doing super. <laughs> The guy's not a particularly good lawyer. Sorry. Sorry.
6: And in this type of behavior, we're not going to engage in uh, conduct like Marco Rubio and others back in 2016 that were afraid to go after this guy and then on the single instances when they
1: say he keeps he, he is a political operative. He keeps referencing politics. If it's all about the client, if it's all about the case, why is he bringing up the behaviour of the Democrat Party, which is ineffective against Donald Trump? And why is he referencing Marco Rubio in 2016? We're not going to act like Marco Rubio in 2016. What the? I'm sorry, Michael. What the fuck does this have to do with your client and your court case? I don't care what party you're from. Lies. This isn't about politics. Oh, yes, it is, Mike. Yes, it is, Mikey. Otherwise, you wouldn't be urging the Democrats to act like you, and you wouldn't be referencing Marco Rubio in 2016 for some reason. It's all political PR, ladies and gentlemen. Evidenced by the very words Michael Avenatti himself uses in interviews like this every single day.
6: They They immediately apologised and uh, uh, engaged in hand-wringing. I mean that that gets you absolutely nowhere. There's only one way to deal with somebody like this and that is to go right at him.
3: You and your client suffered a significant setback in court yesterday. Uh, why are you now still so optimistic that you'll win on appeal? Well,
6: we think the district court judge got it wrong on the defamation claim, Wolf, but also let me say this, the defamation case was a secondary case to the main case, which is the case over the non-disclosure agreement. I don't think Donald Trump is smart enough to understand that. I actually think that he <laughs> believes that he won the NDA case, which is laughable. I mean... this
1: <laughs> Come on, Michael. He's not the one who's claiming to be a lawyer on national television advising their client to get involved in insult slanging matches on Twitter. <laughs> wow. Wow. Absolutely sensational stuff. Just, uh, I just wanted to play a quick little bit of this video before we get to your stuff. Thanks for sticking around, guys. After this, we'll do your Twitter contributions. Come on, someone who watched porn, Stormy porn vids, any good? The truth, the truth wants the. Uh, pardon me. The truth watcher wants to know if Stormy's porn is any good. I don't know. It depends on what you think is good, doesn't everybody have a personal preference when it comes to that kind of thing? You know, I I prefer uh, horses myself, so I would say you know she's just about as good as it's going to (laughs) get.
5: Risk of losing their majority in the U.S. House, Republicans have waged a fear-mongering campaign now.
1: (laughs) If you missed the podcast the other day, uh, yesterday's podcast, go to the Daily Boogie on iTunes or Podbean, and it's called Episode 9, Fear. And we talk about the use of this uh, rhetorical sword known as accusing your opponent of running a quote-unquote fear campaign. And then I was so I was so impressed when I got up this morning and I turned this on and I was like, "Oh look, what do you know? It's another it's another fear campaign. Who would
5: have thunk it? <laughs> scare voters away from the Democrats. This is at least
1: <laughs> the GOP is trying to scare voters away from the Democrats. See, these kinds of accusations don't worry me at all because we know that the Democrats their their entire platform is based on fear." See, the accusation here from Chris Matthews is, oh, the Republicans are trying to scare voters away from the Democrats. The Democrats literally say, if you vote for Donald Trump, the world is going to end. He's going to throw gay people in camps. He's going to deport everyone. He's the next Hitler. Don't you dare vote for the next Hitler. If you vote for Donald Trump, then climate change is going to end civilization. That was one of the stories I was reading from in Ceylon. Civilization itself is going to come to an end because of Donald Trump. There's, there's fear of capitalism, there's fear of freedom on the left. That's why safe spaces exist in universities, ladies and gentlemen. Anything that exists outside the norms that is constructed within the ideology. Is to be afraid. You're, you're supposed to be afraid of it. White privilege, capitalism, your, your your business owners, everything is a fear campaign for the Democrats. Look at look at the um, the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. More than one Democratic commentator were coming out and saying now all women in America are at risk. Every woman in America is now at risk. That's a fear campaign. So the reason that they accused the Republicans of running a fear campaign in a, in a kind of thinly veiled effort to uh, push, push their actual behaviour in real life, that we've all seen, blocking streets, attacking people, screaming, trying to claw into the Supreme Court like a cat on a rainy night, all of that stuff, just pile it one on top of the other, 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 until you've got a big steaming pile of Democrat shit that you can point at and say, "Hey, do you really think that's the alternative over there? This big pile of shit? This big turd here?
2: Like
1: we need something here." Jeff Goldblum analyzing the Democratic Party platform in 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, That is one big pile of shit. There you go. (laughs) We're gonna use that again. That's the analysis of the Democratic Party Party platform in 2018. That is one big pile of shit. It's all a fear campaign. But of course, you know, you need to accuse your opponent. Because if you if you exist in a seven-day week, 24-hour a day, 365-day a year campaign of fear that everything outside the safe space is violence, effectively violence that can hurt you emotionally and it abuses you. And just because there are Christians out there and white people who have privilege, like you are, you are a victim of a racist oppressive regime that you can't possibly escape without the help of the Democrat party. I'm sorry. That is a 24 seven campaign of fear. And when you accuse your opponents of using fear, it's because you are motivated by fear in the first place that motivation of fear that that everything outside the safe space is something to be fearful of even freedom itself even words are, are to, be af- we're to be afraid of words now that's why you have trigger warnings ladies and gentlemen don't you dare read from that uh, university textbook without first giving me a trigger warning that i may become upset like they're afraid of shit that they haven't even heard yet that's 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 literally pushing fear so if if you are motivated by that fear that everybody outside the safe space is out to get you and crush you and kill you and deport you and rape you and hurt you and abuse you and offend you then of course you know anything that the other person says you're going to point to it and say that's a fear campaign you know why because you're already afraid of everything to begin with carry
5: on August Since August, some Republicans or their allies have gone so far as to portray Democrats as terrorists or terrorist sympathizers. And that's because, according to the New York Times, Republicans have been only marginally successful.
1: I mean, yeah, like how awful they're acting like the last two years hasn't hasn't happened. They're acting like the world just began today. Have you ever seen that movie is it 50 first dates with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler and every single day she wakes up and she has no memory of the previous day? Like every day it's a fresh day. And so here I am watching MSNBC and they're like, you know, Republicans are attacking Democrats as terrorists. And I'm like, so what? You've been calling them Nazis for three years. So what? Who cares? Well, is that too tough, is it? Is that is that, oh, is that a little bit unfair, is it? You've been calling everyone on the other side an apologist for rape, a Nazi and a bigot and a homophobe for as long as I can remember. Oh, but they're calling us terrorists. That's not fair. Suck it up, princess. Too bad. Who said it's supposed to be fair? You didn't think it was fair two years ago when you were, when you were calling everyone a Nazi. You didn't think it was fair when you were calling everyone a racist. And now, all of a sudden, people on the other side are saying, "You know what? You're the you're the bad guys here, and we're going to call you. We're going to call you. uh, Tell you what? I'm going to call you a terrorist." And they go, "Oh, oh, that's not fair. You can't say that. Too bad." The fact that you the fact that you overly go out of your way to say how offensive it is is just going to make it happen more. That's what that's what you did against the people on the right for the last thirty years. You come out, you call them a racist or a Nazi. They try to defend themselves and say how offensive and hurtful it is, and you just do it more. So now you're going to get it back, sunshine. Now you're going to get the same treatment back. And guess what? You're behaving the, in the exact same way that you took advantage of. Isn't life funny? Isn't, isn't the universe a wonderful place, comrade? Now it's unfair, is it? <laughs> Too bad. Too bad don't like it tough shit it's not going to stop it's not going to stop it's going to keep going and it's going to get worse it's going to get harder you cannot win this is a message you cannot win this game you cannot win the i am offended game anymore it's over it's done if you try to play that card you are going to get hammered twice as hard and if you sit in a corner and cry and scream and say how it unfair how unfair everything it is, we're going to zoom that camera right into your face and put it on the... We're going to wash it all over the interwebs and everyone's going to laugh at you. That's the way it's going to be played now. That's the way we're going to roll now. Oh, everyone's a Nazi and everyone's a bigot, are they? Okay, too bad. <clears throat> Guess what? Guess what, crying boy? You and Horseface are going to be plastered all over the interwebs and there's going to be memes and people are going to laugh themselves to sleep watching your antics. Because nobody cares anymore. And that's what you wanted. That's the situation you craved. You wanted that. You wanted the insult game to be the best game in town and now it is and you're getting hammered and you don't want to play anymore. Too bad. Too bad. Carry on. Hey, don't shoot me, I'm just the messenger. I, I wish it wasn't that way too. I'm just saying the reality. This is, the, this is your red pill moment. I'm not, endorsing, I'm not endorsing the fact that everybody's insulting each other and stuff. I'd much rather it not be that way, but guess what? It's not. And crying about it isn't gonna change it. So don't get bitter, get better.
5: And leverage the, leveraging the usual tools available during an economic boom like bragging about low unemployment, about tax cuts, about a new trade deal. Instead, they've resorted to negative ads like this. (laughs)
4: Let's look at this ad. Amar Kapanajar is working to infiltrate Congress. He's used three different names to hide his family's ties to terrorism. His grandfather masterminded the
6: Munich Olympic massacre.
4: Curaval's
0: lobbying firm made millions, helping Libya reduce payments
9: owed to families of Americans killed by Libyan terrorism. Selling out Americans?
4: how Kiraval can't be trusted. So out of okay. touch, Malinowski lobbied for
5: terrorist rights, backed billions for Iran. Tom Malinowski's done enough damage in Washington.
1: I like it. I like it. Chris doesn't like it, but I like it. I love it. Kick that. Kick that, Eric Holder. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Goldblum, ladies and gentlemen, with a comment on what he thinks about the Democratic Party platform in 2018.
4: That is one big pile of shit. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it.
1: Let's get to your stuff. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Appreciate it. Let's get that off the screen. Da, 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 da. Your contributions. Net Drag sent this one through. Squirrels did me in. Man shot after triggering booby trap, he set. This will be fun. Let's have a look. What's going on in Pittsburgh? I see Vicious is in the house. What's happening in Pittsburgh, Vicious? What are Yin's up to? The squirrels did me in. <laughs> the change squirrels did me in man shot after triggering body booby trap he said look at the the nasty little devil there a North Carolina man was shot after triggering his own booby trap while feeding squirrels (laughs) Edwin Smith 69 was feeding squirrels Monday morning in his backyard when a gun fired striking him in his right arm Smith was taken to a nearby hospital he was severely wounded Officials say he was injured by one of the many booby traps the man had set up around his home. I've never seen anything quite like this, said Captain John Wright with the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office. In a 911 call, Smith said, quote, This just sucks. Squirrels did me in. (laughs) I'm out here in the driveway. My arms blowed off. I'm shot anyway. I'm done in my life anyway. It is not known if the booby trap failed or if Smith forgot that it was set up. One neighbour said Smith cares about the neighbourhood. Ah. He also stood up for our neighbourhood when drugs and bad people started moving in, Crystal Blevin said. A sign on his property warns crackheads, drug dealers and illegal aliens. Stay away. (laughs) Stay away. And the squirrels now. And the squirrels. Fantastic stuff. A man who operates a brothel. This is sent in by General Eaton. A man who operates a brothel decides to run for office using Trump's platform. Man dies before election. Man is still on ballot despite operating brothels and being a dead man. (laughs) (laughs) This is sensational. This is the kind of stuff I like in the free-for-all. It's exactly what I like. Uh, Despite uh, the slightly unorthodox fact that he is dead, infamous brothel owner Dennis Hoff will remain on the ballot the state says it's too late to change the ballot and is expected to win by a landslide in the forthcoming Nevada state legislature elections. (laughs) The so-called Trump from Parump who appeared in the HBO documentary series Cat House owned a strip club and five legal brothels in Nevada including the Bunny Ranch. Oh, that's a very famous one, isn't it? The Bunny Ranch. He was found dead on Tuesday, hours after his 72nd birthday. (laughs) As The Guardian reports, Hoff was running for a seat in a heavily Republican district and has been had been favoured to win. I feel very comfortable predicting that he's still going to win the election on the 6th of November, his campaign manager Chuck Muth said in an interview, adding that Republicans had a two-to-one advantage over Democrats in the state assembly district in terms of voter registration. This really is the Trump movement, Hoff said in an interview at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, his brothel near his home in Pahrump. People will set aside for a moment their moral beliefs, their religious beliefs to get somebody that is honest in office. That's true. That's true. I just wonder how many of you guys, um, do any of you guys remember uh, Michael Moore short? I think Vicious might remember it. There was, a, there was a show Michael Moore used to do back in the day called The Awful Truth. Yes, I know. Everybody hates Michael Moore. Um I still like him as a filmmaker, believe it or not. I don't agree with his politics, but I like the way he edits things. Um, Let me see if I can find something for you. This was back before Michael Moore went full retard, like when he was just anti-corporation back in the day. Let me see if I can find something for you. He did a fantastic short piece about um, voter apathy and elections. I'll see if there's anything on YouTube. Just as a side note, you might you might enjoy it, even though it is Michael Moore. Okay, so it seems it's in like you know part one, part two, part three, and stuff. So basically, what he did, he ran a ficus plant in an, in a local election in New Jersey, I think. A ficus plant, like in a similar vein to you know this dead guy <laughs> and it was called Ficus for Congress and he was running I, I believe the guy's name he was running against was like Rodney heisen or something. And I, I remember it vividly. There was a campaign ad that he made in this election and it was like Rodney heisen doesn't know you know the best way to come at schools. Rodney heisen doesn't understand anything about tax. Rodney Frailingheisen doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Vote ficus. His ass is a hole in the ground, and I thought that was one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> so he ran a, a ficus plant in an election, and it got votes and everything, and it was doing interviews. So let's show you a little bit. They're on speech, speech. <laughs>
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the potted plants, the
2: ficuses.
1: (laughs) Other cities, because uh, other cities were getting wind of this, and they all started running their own ficus plants against the sitting members. we've got a chance
3: to really uh, say something very important. And that is that the people of this country are sick and tired of these two political parties posing as two political parties.
1: It's one party. So we've given people a chance. Did you hear that, Michael Moore, back in 2000? And he's like, people are sick and tired of these two political parties posing as two political parties. It's one party. And guess what? Now that's what the MAGA people say. And Michael Moore is instead like, You've got to vote Democrat. <laughs> Ain't that the darndest thing? Ain't that just the sweetest thing, Mike? Right in ficus on the ballot all over the country. It's
3: their way to say none of the above. It's their way to say I'm sick and tired. I'm not going to take it anymore. It's the f*** you vote. It's the F-U you vote this year.
1: Back then he loved the F.U. vote. Now he thinks it's the next incarnation of Hitler. Oh, well. That's how it goes sometimes, eh Mike? Too bad you had to turn out to be a sucker. Alright. What have we got? Oh yes. Is this a neck beard or is this a neck beard? <laughs> Lecturer suspended after comparing abortions to sex with dead people. Wow. What happened, Mike? Everyone's in like everyone's saying, what happened, Michael? What happened? <laughs> Bless his struggling heart. <laughs> lecturer suspended after comparing sex. Ah, oh, this is this is taste. Uh, this is classy stuff. See, again, we wouldn't want to offend anyone, would we? We wouldn't want to offend people. A university lecturer has been suspended after comparing abortions to necrophilia. <laughs> Doctor Justin Murphy, a politics lecturer at the University of Southampton, the Southampton home of the Saints, my favorite football team has been blasted by disgusted students after a string of hateful and disrespectful tweets. In a tweet posted in May, he said, If you're pro-choice in the abortion debate, I find it very difficult to see how you could possibly have ethical objections to necrophilia. Good point, comrade. The University of Southampton revealed it received complaints about Dr. Murphy's personal views, which are incompatible with its own, and confirmed a formal investigation had been launched. American-born Dr. Murphy... I ah, see, that was, that, that was his fault. He had free speech or at least he thought he did, said he has been suspended following his tweet and said the university called him in for an urgent meeting. (laughs) The 32-year-old married academic who completed a PhD in 2014 also works as a personal academic tutor and dissertation supervisor at the university and his absence will cause issues for his students he compared abortion to necrophilia after saying the question of necrophilia raises interesting challenges to positions held today how dare this guy think you can have an uh, intellectual discussion about controversial topics in a university you know, in your capacity as a university lecturer if only he had have come out and said all white people should be killed, he would have got a fucking promotion, there you go (laughs) poor guy poor guy didn't understand pro-life, fuck you uh, Doc Martin send in a few memes, and just like that, everyone stopped laughing at Juan's car. Oh, yes. That's very good. That's very good. All my friends drive a low rider. Mm, mm, mm. Why do you have two boobs on your back? That's a silly question from someone who has a dick on his face. <laughs> Doc Martin. The left has informed me that I can pick my gender, so today I feel like being the first woman present. Sorry, Hillary. I like that. That's very good. That's very good. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Ben K. Veritas, Measure 105. Voters will decide. Let's see what voters are deciding here. Let's have a little look-see. Voters will decide whether to keep Oregon a sanctuary state. Ah, this is very interesting. Um, I was reading a New York Times editorial today, Today, yesterday, it was yesterday, New York Times editorial, and they said the sanctuary state thing is just a Republican fear campaign. <laughs> they said it's all made up. There's no, san- there's no sanctuary cities. There's no sanctuary states. This is just an idea perpetuated by the Republicans. In reality, it doesn't exist. I'm like, oh, okay. Next day, voters will decide whether to keep Oregon a sanctuary state. Proponents claim the sanctuary law emboldens undocumented immigrants to commit crimes and ties the hands of law enforcement. Opponents say the law prevents racial profiling. Saying if the law is repeated... See, I don't understand... Racial profiling is apparently a bad thing. So one of our local constabularies here in Melbourne recently... Well, recently, a few years ago now. Tell me if you think this makes sense they decided that it's wrong for uh, the police to put out any kind of ethnic identifying qualities when they're searching for people who may have committed crimes. So, you know, if you're listening to the radio and they say "Police, police are looking for a black man wearing blue jeans and a red sweatshirt, right? That might be something that you would hear on the radio. Or police are looking for an Asian man or police are looking for a Caucasian man wearing blue jeans and a red sweatshirt. The police in one of our Australian cities no longer do that, so, so because they think it's racist. So now they come on the radio and say, "Police are looking for someone <laughs> wearing blue jeans and a red sweatshirt." And I'm like, "Well, blue jeans are pretty popular for one, but isn't the whole point of making those announcements by the police? Isn't the whole point to narrow down the field of potential suspects? Right?" So it's, you're not say, by, by saying that you're looking for a black guy or a white guy or an Asian guy or a Mediterranean guy or a Middle Eastern guy, you're not saying that all black guys are criminals or all white guys are criminals or all. Like I, I thought we were smart enough as a people to understand that. Apparently not. Apparently we are really, really, really fucking stupid now. So actually, what happens is when you put out on the radio, we're looking for an Asian man wearing blue jeans and a white shirt. That's the that's the exact same thing as the police saying all Asian men are criminals. Right? <laughs> that's that's how dumb we are now. So so what? Like if I look out my front window of my house, I could see a thousand people wearing jeans. <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to call up the police? I've got him, I've got him, <laughs> I found the guy. There's a guy wearing there's hey. I work in a cafe in the city. A guy just came in, ordered a coffee and sat down reading a newspaper. Yes, how can we help you? He's wearing jeans. I think I think I've got the guy. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Another guy just walked in wearing jeans. Fuck, they're all wearing jeans. Hurry. Hurry to the cafe quick, please, quickly. All of the criminals are in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the cafe is wearing fucking jeans What am I going to do What am I going to do Oh my god
2: <laughs> Right
1: <laughs> We really are a dumb society So will they vote Yes on 105 See, why It should be no on 105 a, a yes vote on measure 105 Is a vote to repeal the law A no vote keeps the vote in its place How many people are going to vote no on 105 thinking that it means I don't want Sanctuary State? Like, is that a big conversation in Oregon? I think, Steph, you're from Oregon, aren't you? And uh, J-Dub, can you, like, how much time do you have to spend explaining to people, no, no, you've got to vote yes. So I have to vote yes because it's a no? No, no, no. You vote no, no. yes. Yes, no. No, yes. So do I vote yes or a no? I'm going to vote no on 105. No, no, no. Vote yes. Yes? Yes, we want it. No, no, we don't want it. So I'm going to vote no. No, vote yes. Yes. No! (laughs) Who's on first? Full debate. Brown, Bueller in final debate over Oregon Governor. The protections for people that are here illegally are absurd, said Cynthia Kendall. Oh, that's an unfortunate name. She's literally got the name Kendall. (laughs) I bet growing up it was all about Barbie. The frustrations that Oregonians have over this is almost palpable. Folks are so fed up with being second-class citizens in their own country. Interesting times ahead for Oregon. Oregon. Ben also sent this one through. The reality shocking part, the really shocking part of the White House shouting match. They need to clarify yes for no, no for yes. Gotcha. (laughs) No means yes. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. The really part of the shocking White House shouting match. CNN National Security Advisor John Bolton and White House Chief of Staff John Kelly got into a shouting match outside the Oval Office on Thursday, according to reports from CNN and Bloomberg. Profanities rang through the West Wing and staffers began to speculate as to which of the two officials, arguably the top two White House aides to the President, would resign first. Then came damage control, ladies and gentlemen. This White House's most dependable form of confirmation to the brouhaha, that's one of my favorite words, actually took place. The president denied knowing anything about it. Of course he would. He's a lying pig. Uh, let's see what we've got here on CNN. Side, white, Thanks for joining us. We're there back with guys.
4: breaking news in our politics lead. A heated argument described as a, quote, shouting happened in the West Wing today between two of the president's Top aides, Chief of Staff John Kelly, Chief National staff, Security Advisor, Ron Ambassador Kelly. John Bolton. That's according to two sources familiar with the argument, who told our CNN's Caitlin Collins, who's here with us among our panel of experts. Caitlin, how serious was this argument and what was it about?
0: Well, it got pretty ugly and they were talking about that rise in border crossings. And, of course, that's a pretty common topic. It's something that infuriates President Trump. We saw him on Twitter today threaten to shut down the border But what it got dramatic between was John Kelly and John Bolton today. They were arguing about this. It started in front of President Trump. It continued in the halls of the West Wing. They were shouting at each other. There was profanity. (laughs) A big question is what is part of this? But I'm told now, and this is a really big part of this uh, argument and why it got so ugly, John Bolton started criticizing the DHS secretary, Kirsten Nelson, who, of course, is a sidekick essentially to John Kelly. He brought her to the West Wing with him when he first became chief of staff. She had been his deputy at DHS, and then he was the one who convinced President Trump to let her lead DHS. John Bolton criticized her today, saying essentially that she wasn't doing her job and needed to start doing it, and that set John Kelly off and led to this argument. And arguing in this West Wing is normal. It is really bitter. It is really divided in there. People.
1: (laughs) It's bitter and divided in there. I've made this point before, but I think it's worth making again. Since when is having robust differences of opinion a bad thing? Like you know, I think more more companies are starting to realize this too. If you read like um, you know, business publications and stuff. And my wife works in this area, so you know, I hear a little bit of it secondhand. And I'm sure other people like WordSmiter, if she's still in the house, probably understands a bit of this too. There once was a, an idea in business that everybody needs to be, like, on the same page. Everyone – everyone it doesn't mean – you know, I'm not trying to sound too rhetorically laborious here, but uh, that everybody must agree with what the boss says. But what, what businesses are now discovering is in, in environments where you can have, like, open and robust debate about what's best for the business, you invariably get better results for the business. As long as everybody's on the same page, so to speak, that they're doing the right thing for the business, then open, robust discussions and disagreements are actually beneficial. Because in an environment where everybody's too afraid to go against what the boss says, the boss will lead you right into a ditch. You know, like that old classic thing like, oh, yes, brother. brave decision, sir. Very good decision, sir. And then everybody walks outside and goes, this guy's a fucking idiot. Like, I'm not, I am not. this is the worst idea I've ever seen. So, bosses, good bosses don't actually want that. Good bosses want you to have like open and robust disagreements right to the face, because it gives them an opportunity to reassess. Texas blue asked, "Who's the boss?" There's probably a lot of bosses, mate. Let's be honest. It's not. It's not a dictatorship, much as the Democrats would like it to be. It's still not a dictatorship. So, uh, you know, people have territory over various government departments and they probably, you know, protect that territory very strongly. But it's absurd to, you know, this this idea that, you know, corporate media has been pushing for a couple of years because people have disagreements in the White House now. It's like, oh, it's chaos and stuff. Trump is known as a guy that if you disagree with him, if you sit down and put your case forward and he thinks it's a good idea, he'll, he'll say, oh, okay, you know what, that's a good idea, let's do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and trying to paint it as a bad thing, well again, that's like old school politics those days are over I don't think it's going to be that way anymore but they're very slow learners they're very slow learners and one here from Kimmy to wrap it up wrap it up for the night what have we got here? Brazil presidential election. Everything at stake in Brazil's presidential election. A side-by-side look at how Bolsonaro and Haddad view women. Here we go. People of colour and the LGBTQ community based on everything they say or don't say. Following the first round of presidential elections on Sunday, October 7, Brazil is headed towards a final showdown between the right-wing authoritarian candidate, Bolsonaro, and the left-wing candidate, who's, who wouldn't be authoritarian at all. No, of course not. He loves freedom. Of the Workers' Party. Bolsonaro, whose homophobic, racist, and sexist worldview and social media-centric campaign bears striking similarities to that of US President Donald Trump in 2016 won 46% of the vote, while Haddad came in second at 293 While the large margin wasn't substantial enough to avoid a runoff, the two candidates will face off on October 28th. So what do they think? The youth, the Workers' Party candidates' plan called O Povo Fueles de Novo, the people happy again. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? Whichever country you go to, the left is the exact same. Yeah. The left the left wing party, we have a plan. It's called the People Happy Again plan. <laughs> we need some hang on. It's just insane. We need some music for this. Let me tee up some music. For this story. Because we need to we need to pay respect to the left wing candidate who wants the people happy again policy to be <laughs> to be a thing <laughs> Here we go So now let's read it again with our background music Don't give in to fear ladies and gentlemen Don't you vote for those right wing bigots who hate gay people you make sure you vote left and keep the people happy again. The People Happy Again focuses on several issues that affect the Brazilian youth. He promises to create the My Employment Again program, which is geared towards young people seeking qualification to various professional industries. He also says he'll cut taxes for both private and public academic institutions, the offer that associates and bachelors degrees and increase resources for the latter. He adds that he'll support young people's direct uh, participation in politics, more organisation on the left, fantastic, and that he wants to be present for the National Plan for the Youth and the National System of the Youth, two federal initiatives geared toward improving the lives of young people in Brazil. That's the Happy People Again policy. Shiny Bolsonaro, on the other hand, he hates young people. That far-right bigot. His administrative plan, which is called Project Phoenix, doesn't go into specific details about the majority of themes listed here, but it does feature a number of fabrications, including incorrect statistics that assert the annual number of deaths caused by the Brazilian police is lower than it actually is. Oh, no, he's not anti-police. Bolsonaro's only proposal that is directly related to the Brazilian youth consists of lowering the age of criminality responsibility from 18 to 16. What a bigot. He's not going to make the people happy again, is he? On women, Haddad promises to push for equal pay for equal work. increase compensation and a length of maternity leave expand a Brazilian women's house, which protects female victims of violence. Strengthen a law called Maria da Penha, which guarantees protection for victims of domestic violence and holds perpetrators legally accountable. Yep, it's very socialist. We love the women. We love the youth. Make the people happy again. Come on, Brazil. Come on, Brazil. You can do it. Excellent, absolutely sensational stuff. Bolsonaro is going to be the president. It's nothing you can say or do. He's already won. He's already won. LGBTQ regarding members of the LGBTQ community, Haddad's plan highlights the the creation of a law that would specify different types of hate crimes. Hate crimes. Why do we have to make special uh, compensations for crimes? Like, isn't isn't all crime really a hate crime? Like, what's the difference? Hold my hand. I'm lonely. Truth Watch is lonely. He needs some shiny, happy people in his life. <laughs> like there are no hate crimes. It's just crimes. Like what if, what if, what if I steal an ice cream from a kid because I hate the kid? Is that now a hate crime? Does that count as a hate crime? Like if I take money out of the church collection plate, and they say, "Why did you do it?" and I say, "Because I hate God." They're going to be like, okay, that's a hate crime. Hate crime against God, which would be an interesting twist. (laughs) Instead of on behalf of God. (laughs) But what's the difference? A crime is a crime is a crime. If we inject the word hate in front of it, all of a sudden, oh, it's like double crime. No, it's not. No, it's not. We don't need hate crime. Hate crime. It's so dumb. (laughs) Haddad's plan highlights the creation of a law that would specify different types of hate crimes, including violence against LGBTQ individuals. See, why why is violence against an LGBTQ individual any different to violence against any individual? So, okay, I walk out on the street and I see a guy walking down the street. I bash him over the head and steal his wallet. That's just a crime. If the guy happens to be gay, like I walk out on the street, see a gay guy bash him over the head, steal his wallet. Now it's a hate crime. Love crimes, yeah. Oh, truth watcher. I'm glad I'm glad we could give you a little bit of fun on a Thursday night. Bolsonaro aside from his previous mention that inequality will not be permitted, there's only one reference to the LGBT community in Bolsonaro's proposal. See because this is the way you characterize things, right? If you don't pander to the the intersectional groups in society that the left determines again, like identity politics is about putting a predeterminate... Uh, identity marker ahead of your individual thoughts and your individual feelings and individual passions and you know your highs and lows as a person as an individual person and what it does is take the superficial shit like your 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 color your uh, your ethnicity your culture your uh, religion you know all of the other stuff and puts that in front of you and then everything after that point is merely being washed through that prism because if you are a white person then and you say something, how many times have you heard it? Oh, of course you would say that. You're a white guy. So it's a way of dismissing, dismissing that which we don't like because we can tick certain boxes in the identity politics game. So if you come from that particular strain of the hard left, ladies and gentlemen, like I suspect the author of this Vice article does, then it would be very upsetting to you if Bolsonaro only once referenced the individual LGBTQ community. Good night, Key Wizard. We're nearly done here too. It would be offensive to you if you only made one special dispensation in eight months about what you would do for LGBTQ people. Because if you don't pander to them constantly, you're not playing the identity politics game. And according to the hard left, if you don't play the identity politics game, well, guess what? You just hate them all. You hate them all. That's what it means. If you don't play the way we want to play, well, that just proves that you hate all the people that we love. But those days are over. That, that, that mode of thinking, which is anti-intellectual and shallow and frankly offensive, uh, that's, that's done. We're not playing that way anymore. Sorry. Nope. Nope. All Brazilians will go into the same group. And, you know, you can divvy it up amongst yourselves, but if you're going to accuse us of hating groups because we don't constantly talk about individual groups, then I'm sorry. You're going to lose. You're going to lose in the future. Better get the hang of it. You should be happy. You should be happy. We're finally treating everybody like equals. This is what you always wanted. Now that we, now that we're ready to treat everybody like equals, we're being told that that's wrong and racist and and homophobic. Isn't that isn't that the darndest thing? Isn't that the darndest thing? You were supposed to treat everybody like equals. Now, when you say okay, let's treat everybody like equals, they're like you're not pandering to this group enough. That proves that you hate them. This isn't equal. There should be different crimes for different groups. And it's like ah, oh, okay. Don't worry about it. Happy days. Bolsonaro in the Brazilian elections, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a lovely weekend. Just a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to keep up with the podcast, look for The Daily Boogie in iTunes or Podbean. Thanks to everyone who's been downloading and subscribing and sharing it. Really appreciate it. We go into a lot of these topics more in depth. I really do like the Thursday night live stream, though. I appreciate you all hanging out with us for the last few hours. I hope you have a lovely weekend. Just remember, when the bigots win, don't let the bigots win. What we want is shiny, happy people everywhere. Until next time, guys. I'll see you on Sunday night, by the way. Trust and verify. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Have fun. See you next time. Stay calm. Stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.